Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 401. Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy, joined alongside Johnny V. I'm here. I was trying to think, was I here? I wasn't here last week. No, you were not. I was in the Emporia, but the week, be- the week before I was physically on site. Believe it or not, I sometimes lose track of where I am what? and what day of the week it is. But no way. Yes, I am here as well in the Milwaukee studio. We're so glad you guys could join us. To recap, talk a little bit about the 2022 Dynamic Disc Open that just took place this weekend. A lot to talk about on this event, I think. Yeah, when it's all said and done, I mean, you got four rounds and uh, cuts and good play, bad play, stellar play. Weather? A little bit of weather. (laughs) Extracurriculars? No. A little bit of everything, I guess. Did you ride the bull? Which one? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really good time in Emporia. It always is. And that, of course, is a testament to the hard work, the dedication, the planning, all of those things. And then some uh, this year at the helm was Jackie Morris. She is your tournament director. First time tournament director uh, for this event. Yeah, and she's tur- she's TD'd other events. She's TD'd women's course. events. She's TD'd some local, uh, I believe, some some other local events that they've had there. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that she has been the official TD for the DDO slash GBO. Yeah, so it was, uh, of course, she did a great job. And then it's just an overwhelming or overarching support staff and network that goes along with her and the rest of the crew. Dozens of people, I, I, there had to be at least 10 to 12, maybe even 14 total course directors slash course TDs, in addition then to dozens, if not more than 100 or so volunteers on top of it. So very cool to see. And uh, it, yeah, I don't want to say it was your typical <laughs> DDO, but if I did say something like that, it would be in a positive fashion, as in it was your typical great event held yeah, in Emporia. It, they're a crew that totally understands how to run events. 
And I, I know there's been a lot of talk about the courses and about the OB and stuff like that. And people are like, why are we having events in Kansas? And my one of my standard go-tos for that is it's hard to move an entire staff that can cover this many courses and this many uh, amenities and all this other stuff. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, and no offense to any other tournament director out there, I just think the DDO, the, the DD crew, probably does it the best. They're, they have to be up there and for sure in the top three of tournament directing yeah. and staff. Yeah. They just, they're phenomenal. And again, that goes hand in hand with what Dynamic has built throughout the years that when you go to Emporia, anytime you go to the home city or hometown where the major manufacturer is then headquartered and local to, it's going to create some distinct advantages. Mm-hmm. No big secret that you find a similar situation at the USDGC. Yeah. Rock Hill, South Carolina, the Innova plant, uh, Innova East is literally just a few miles away, uh, kind of in, a, in almost an exact same fashion, just a few miles away from where the course or courses are. And it just... Mm-hmm. That when you go to the USDGC, it's very similar. Ton of volunteers, which are needed every single year and have been, you know, a, a staple out there. But then on top of it, you have a lot of the actual employees that end up spending some of their time or a lot of their time throughout the year to then be working on the event side as well. And that, yeah, there's a lot of similarities in that sense. And it's not too far off, but kind of similar. I was going to say, when you look at like the toboggan and the support that they get over there at mm-hmm. the US AMS event, the United States Amateur Disc Golf Championship, and the Great Lakes Open, it's not quite to that scale, though. Uh, the toboggan course is kind of out, lack of a better term, out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, yeah. It's- but anyway, it helps when you're major manufacturers located just down the road that certainly uh, provides some advantages so hats off all that good stuff we'll get into more of those details ricky waisaki i believe oh my gosh he's already here he's logging in this he's logging in right now he was uh he was originally we asked him to be on around nine he had some Big fancy dinner reservations because he's that's how he rolls. <laughs> but well, after uh, you win an event, that's what you do. Yeah, you, you go to Mexico and then you, you get on Smash. You have date night and then you you come join us for the after party. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that, if that's how your dates are going, eh, I don't know. But anyway, so it sounds like we're gonna have Ricky. He's just getting a few things dialed up, and we'll have him in uh, just a few minutes. But you want to start with a few things on the FPO side, Johnny? Is that a, is that a good sure. place to start? Sure. Um, what looked like after round one, a Paige Pierce runaway with the way the wind was and the way she throws a disc. She had a uh, she, she was tied actually with Christine Jennings and no offense to Christine. She's a good coworker of ours, you know, at DGN, uh, but not a lot of people had Christine holding off Paige Pierce for four full rounds. Um, That's a tall task. It's a, for any person, For anybody. <laughs> for you, me, yeah, Ricky. It doesn't matter. Germ, Christine Jennings. It doesn't matter who who's trying to hold Paige Pierce off. Uh, but at the end of round one, it was Paige Pierce and Christine Jennings. Round two, and Kristen Tatar was down in like 20-some place. 22nd. 22nd place. And everybody was saying, oh, my God, I don't think she's going to hit the podium. She's not. (laughs) 
She has been on the podium every event she's been here. Well, Kristen Tatar took that personally. (laughs) She comes out to Joan Supreme and shoots a six under par. The next best was Jen Allen's three under par and shoots herself up 21 spots into first place. Oh, okay. Not bad. Uh, The largest jump we've ever seen of that magnitude Mm -hmm. into a first place position from where she was at. Stat Mando can repeat that. I say it more eloquently, but yeah. Huge jump. Big, big jump. Big jump. (laughs) Well, at that point, then she continued to play well. She shot a two over par in her first round at the country club where also we saw Katrina Allen shoot an even and Ella Hansen shoot a one under par. And we get into the final round and Kristen Tatar has a, a relatively decent sized lead. Going into that round, four strokes, three or four strokes, four strokes. Yep. And again, I think a lot of people were saying, oh, the way Kristen's playing, it's going to be very difficult to catch her. And Kat took that personally. (laughs) (laughs) Kat rattled off the first six birdies and Kristen Tatar got two of them. And so within, you know, seven holes, it was a fight. It was a battle. It was a phenomenal uh, back and forth, we saw uh, Kristen Tatar took a double bogey on eight. At that point, everyone's like, oh, wow, look at that. It's, you know, now Kat's kind of got, you know, in the driver's seat. Well, Kat followed up with a double bogey on nine. And then Tatar birdies 10. Then Allen rattles off three birdies on 12, 13, 14. Ultimately, as this event does, it usually comes down to hole 16 when it's close. Uh. Cat played the layup position off to the right and then threw it over onto the island. And then from there, Tatar makes a run at the island, puts it on the island. And I, I'm still unsure if this, if Tatar had either the worst layup or the worst run at that basket for that hole. Because if she was laying up, she did a poor job of it because she, she hit like, under the basket, which then slid down to the side of the hill uh, towards the water and almost goes OB. If she was running at it, it was a bad run because she didn't even give it a chance. Cat has about a 15 to 18 footer, hits chains on the right side, it flops out and rolls into the water. So now Cat has taken a double bogey on hole 16. At this point, Tatar has a one stroke lead. They both birdie 17 and they both par 18 and Tatar walks away with the win. So going from 21st place, pulling herself up for the win in FPO uh, at the DDO. uh, I mean, it just it was a great battle. It was a better battle than the MPO that we're about. You know, we're going to talk with Ricky here in a moment. But yeah, I know who to blame for that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) If Ricky could just keep it close sometimes, it would be nice. But no, that guy just runs away with it. Um, No. So instead, uh, we saw we got to see a phenomenal battle with FPO. And one of the things I really liked, Mo had made a post about this. The FPO viewership was higher than last year's MPO viewership for the same event. Wow. On the final round. So we, uh, uh, there is definitely some uh, excitement about the FPO this year. Yeah, and I think the timing, and this isn't to take anything away from it, but I think the timing is also very fortunate that 
a lot of our European contingency that in, really enjoys watching. It probably sets up at a really good time to consume it. Mm-hmm. You have one of the, you know, you have the top European woman in the world and who happens to be one of the top Euro- or one of the top women golfers period in, in the world um, is there. And then you have these great battles that have been unfolding there. Yeah. It's, it sets up really well. And I think it's awesome that we have a solid uh, turnout in terms of the overall viewership uh, when it, when it comes to these battles. And of course, that's part of what's been worked on now for a while is having the separate streams to now get to the point where we're able to kind of analyze and break down what you're seeing on the MPO side, what you're seeing on the FPO side. And, and I don't want to say the numbers it's, it's hardly worth comparing them, but Mm -hmm. it is when you see uh, the FPO action overtake some of the MPO numbers, it clearly, it says it does say something for sure. It certainly does. Um, And that it was basically a two woman race uh, for this event. Ella Hansen, who ended up shooting a three under par that round, kind of bumped herself up a few spots to get tied for third with uh, I almost want to call her a local favorite, even though I don't she's not from Kansas. I don't believe Emily. No, she's from Oklahoma, she's from Oklahoma. So she understands how to play in the wind. But Emily Beach always finds a way to play well. It seems like at the at DDO or GBO. Um, so Emily Beach tied for third Paige Pierce shooting a one under par that last round to get herself up to fifth. Actually, she dropped down to fifth. because She was in fourth place at one point. Um, Haley King in sixth place, 2022's, uh, kind of, uh, I want to say surprise player so far, Valerie Mondahano still in seventh, took seventh place, followed up by Macy Valadiaz and tied with on eighth with Madison Walker, Madison, who is starting to kind of come around with her game. I think she made a social media post about feeling really good lately. It's showing in the last few events she's played and tied for 10th was Jen Allen. So congratulations to the top 10 women at the DDO. Yes. I'm going to have to stop calling it DDO slash GBO because everybody's just going to have to know it's the DDO now. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, you know, formally known as the glass blown open. There's still glass blown trophies. That's where so much of the history and the background has come from in the event that it's built itself to. And then, it's just forever been known as it got abbreviated from glass blown open to GBO. Everybody's used to saying that if you've been around for more than a few years, that's what it was referred to. So we're just now getting uh, ourselves set. It's, this is, this the, is the third year of DDO. Correct. But of DDO. I was, I was say, this is the 20th year of this event, the DDO slash GBO. Yeah. Is what I heard, so, so yes, just a matter of uh, all of us getting used to it. And, and it does make perfect sense to even, as best as we can, try not to abbreviate, even though it's really tough to do for a lot of tournaments, try not to abbreviate it. Part of the reason for the naming scheme is, the is so that the branding is out there. Dynamic Disc Open. It does feel weird to say the Dynamic Disc Open presented by Dynamic Disc, but um, yeah, it's it's all In part of the brand. Emporia, soon to be known as Dynamic Disc Town. <laughs> yeah, Dynamic Disc Town. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think... I think we have uh, someone in the green room. I think Ricky Wysocki is available to chat with us. He's looking awfully spiffy. Let me tell you that. Uh, he, he dressed he, up for us. He's looking sharp, and he says he's not hearing us, but probably nope. when we click on the button, he will. I'm hoping so. Okay. All right. Let's 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 give it a shot. All right. Well, without further ado, coming in from another country, this isn't the first or probably the last time this will happen, our... 2022 MPO Dynamic Disc Open Champion, sponsored 
by Dynamic Disc, Ricky Waisaki. Ricky, can you hear us now? You cannot hear me. We can't. That's funny because we can't hear you either. <laughs> yeah, we we don't hear you. I wonder if it's the. It if could, it's could the, be. The, could be the headset. It um, might be the earbuds. Take out your ears. Take out your earbuds. Uh, maybe disconnect the yeah. earpieces. Disconnect uh, those. Um, uh, maybe disconnect. Or yeah. blue tooth. <laughs> Carney Schill says it's Drippy Waisaki. That's what we were buds. calling him in the studio. Was Drippy Waisaki. All right, here's we're gonna let, we're gonna do this real quick. We're gonna put Ricky in back in the green room for a few seconds <laughs> while he disconnects. Um, the other thing he can sometimes do is what I tell the yeah. guest hits the advanced at vmix dot call when see he if, clicks on that. Let's and then see he if can he can pick. go the route of what I just. Uh, okay, we'll see if we can get him on here in a second. Yeah, Make sure he's all good to go. Yeah, he'll he'll be back. And maybe someone says maybe his power is out. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, is can, that a problem? Doesn't I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Ricky can hear us now. We'll be right back uh, in three, two, one. Hi, Ricky Wysocki. What's up, guys? Hey, <laughs> I saw. I, I was good at lip reading. I was like. Dynamic disc open, Ricky Wysocki. <laughs> Those are all the words you need to know, man. That's, That's it. Yeah. We're a big fan of that. Okay. Really? Yeah, so I saw it. Yeah, I heard it. I, I, I thought I saw it, not heard it. All right. Well, welcome in, buddy. Uh, you know, I, I, we've kind of set it up this way, but tell us exactly where you are and what you got going on right now. Yeah. So I'm in behind me. I'm in Mexico and I'm in. Uh, Puerto Vallarta. That's the most gringo way to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got uh, it. Close enough. Yeah. We'll take it. Mexican and she, uh, yeah, she says it right, but I don't. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're in Mexico this week, uh, and we're just hanging out, spending some time. I went. I actually came to Mexico to visit her after the Texas States win. So seems to be good luck when I when I uh, book Mexico trips. It seems to see. I seem to win the tournaments. <laughs> you can't <laughs> so leave I, the country a loser. So I know. yeah. <laughs> it makes it that trip much much more enjoyable that's for sure yeah so uh, you know sunday night I, I know you had a few obligations and then next thing you know you were off and running uh you and ari traveling right did you then fly or you know get yourself up to kansas city i assume and then f- did you fly out sunday night already or did you did you go out monday yeah we left 5 a.m on, on on monday morning so i just wanted to Try to get over here and enjoy my time as quick as possible and, and be ready for the next event, which is Santa Cruz. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, it's, it's been a grind. It's, you know, three, it was three weeks of, you know, big tournaments, Champions Cup, then Jonesboro, and then Dynamic Dis Open. And for me, you know, all, you know, most sponsored players, when you go to like, I don't know, I would imagine like the Discraft players when they go to the D Glow, they're, they're doing all kind you know, you know, Discraft's trying to get in all the media there. And then for me, it's, you know, obviously Emporia, when I, when all the, you know, trilogy players go to, emporia you know all the media is trying to cram stuff in for the whole year getting media getting disc go to the factory just all the different things that uh, that we need to do you know for the one normally it's the one time we're in town for the year luckily we're, we're going back twice um i wouldn't say luckily because emporia is not the coolest town ever but uh <laughs> but seems it is, to be uh, working out all right for you <laughs> yeah it does it does I show like up pick I up play. a couple checks probably walk out yeah <laughs> Not too shabby. Yeah. So uh, you d- maybe dive into that just for a moment. Like, what are some of the typical things? And and I think you nailed it. A lot of times when you're in an area, especially where your your sponsor is prevalent and maybe they're headquartered. But what are some of the typical things that are either asked or or somewhat expected of you when you're in a town like Emporia for the week as a sponsored player like yourself? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question because, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, so the one thing is for me, Ari handles a lot of stuff for like ordering this when we're doing, you know, fly marts, uh, emailing people. So one thing that's cool that, that I feel like is important is just having a personal connection with everybody that you're emailing, everybody that you're throughout the year that you're, hey, can you give me, you know, can you send me, you know, 100 of these X amount of discs with this stamp and blah, 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 all that stuff. So you get to meet all the people that are actually pulling your discs and doing that stuff. So you kind of create a personal connection and get to thank them for all, you know, all the things that they do for you while we're on the road. Because obviously we're on the road all season there at the warehouse doing lots of things for us. So you kind of want to get back and just spend some time with with those kind of people in the warehouse that that are doing a lot of stuff for us. So just kind of spending time doing that, and then and then you know a lot of times it's you know spending time with the media crews doing in the bags. I was doing like uh, slammer videos at the warehouse. Um, we were doing doing that kind of stuff, and then I've been doing a lot of stuff with Gatekeeper as well. Uh, so I've been doing scratch matches with Gatekeeper as far as like kind of hosting that and getting new pro every week doing doing that so that's kind of obligation i've been having a lot of stuff to do but as far as the specific dynamic disc media it's a lot of you know that you know like i said in the bag and then and then we're doing like voiceovers for videos so it's just it's a stuff that just you know hour here hour there next thing you know you just spent three or four hours going from you know doing a video with gatekeeper that's you know that's three hours doing a voiceover over here then doing a in the bag over here then it's like you know, it's kind of just you're, you're you're just always having to be on because you're always doing videos. So it's kind of like you have to, you know, it's almost like two different versions of me. Like, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm Ricky. But like when you're doing it in the bag, you kind of like there's just more pressure. The camera's right in your face. It's, you know, so it's like you have to. Terry knows how it is. You know, you're, you're, you have to kind of like, you know, snap in. And so like the more you have to be on, it's just a lot of mental energy. You know, it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. And so. The more you have to do that, it's like a mental well, like I say when I'm playing, is you know, when that mental well depletes, you gotta take a trip to Mexico and replenish the well and get ready to, for the next week, you know. So Well um, not yeah, everybody so. gets to do that. You know this, right, Rick? Not everybody's going to Mexico, you know, on a little jaunt after they would take down an elite series event. <laughs> no, I know. Whatever whatever someone's outlet is my outlet. Uh, luckily I'm able to go to Mexico, but some uh-huh. people's outlets are different. But yeah. It's, you know, it's all in this, in the same goal is to, you know, rebuild that mental well. And so that way you can come back and do your job, uh, to the best of your ability. Cause I think a lot of players you saw were just mentally drained and, you know, you have the, you know, the pressure of the major then Jonesboro. And so it's all built up. And then, and then you have on top of that, all this, the, all the, the wet weather, it's just like, it's just really, sna- people just snapped out there. A lot of people did. And I see, I totally see why. You know, the general public says, oh, so-and-so stunk it up this week. It's like, yeah, they just don't – most people don't see all the variables that happen. Like, hey, you have Champions Cup. You know, that takes a lot. Jonesboro, like Paul competed for a win in Jonesboro, expended a lot of mental energy um, to, to, tr- to go into that playoff and, and, and really try to win that tournament. And then you got to step back and three days later play a tournament and just refocus and pretend like that never happened. And, and yeah, we're professionals, and that's what we do. We – we try to pretend like that never happened and we're going to do the best we can to do that. But sometimes it lingers over into the next week, even if we don't want it to. Now, and, you know, sometimes there's no mental energy to tap into and you still have to play the tournament, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to kind of, in a sense, expand on all of that. And I just want to talk about the specific grind of four days of champions cup, nine ish hours or so over to Jonesboro, if I recall, 
three days at Jonesboro, nine-ish hours over to, you know, nine, ten, whatever it is, depending on how you're traveling, over then to Emporia for another four-day event. So, you know, ultimately, and I know this to a lot of people like, oh, well, cool. They're playing, you know, 11 rounds of golf in, you know, 16 days or whatever it is or 20 days or whatever. But that doesn't include the practice. As I just said, a couple of long travel days and then, you know, someone like yourself really busy. But talk specifically about a four, three, four in this case of those 11 rounds of competitive disc golf. Yeah, I mean. So there's there's a lot of lot of variables to it. I mean, that people don't realize it's first of all, yeah, it's, it's oh, just three or four days. However long the tournament is, that that's not as much of a factor as far as like, you know, you you have to build up. You know, it's it's not just hey, you know, show up Friday. Like obviously, there's weekend warriors that show up and play. You know, a certain amount of Saturday and Sunday, and then and then they're done. But like we're practicing Monday through Wednesday. You play the tournament, do it again the next week you know, that just process keeps going. And then, and then, and then that's not even including what happens in the tournament. Like Jonesboro, Calvin and and Paul played really well and we're battling for the win. And, you know, they're kind of like, you know, Calvin's probably coming off like a mental high, you know, he's feeling really good, but I mean, it takes, people don't realize how much mental energy it takes to win a tournament. It's not like, it's not like you just, Oh, cool. You just breeze through like, yeah, I beat everybody and won by six strokes, but it wasn't (laughs) easy. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, you killed them. It's so easy this week. I mean, just saying disc golf, there's no there's no tournament that's easy. There's no shot that's easy. Yeah, it may be routine, but it doesn't mean it's an easy shot. There's you know, as soon as you think that, then you're in the wrong mindset. You know, even if it's a wide open two hundred foot up shot, you still gotta throw the shot, you still gotta calculate the wind, you still gotta do all this different things to throw the shot. It's not just gonna be a throw itself, you know? So if, even the even the so called easy routine shots are still requiring mental energy. And so you, you add the wind, you add, you know, you know, the pressure of the tournament, playing on the lead card, all the pressure of that. So all that stuff just really, really builds up, especially if you're playing, you know, on the lead card, feature card every every week. I mean, it's that's that's a whole nother thing because, you know, if you're you know, it's different even if you're in second card, third card, you're chasing the lead. But when you're in the lead, there's just so much more pressure that you're holding. and It takes that much more mental energy to focus on that and to hold it and to win. And then even, like I said, even in second place, because uh, you're like second place, you know, from someone like my standpoint, it's like, there's nothing to lose. Well, I got nothing to lose. I'm trying to win. So it's winner, winner, go home. So it's like, uh, you know, there's no pressure on me when I'm in second. I'm just, I'm trying to win and that's it. <laughs> and so when you're winning, there's all the pressure because you, it's all yours to lose. And, you know, it's, it, it's everything you do is going to be scrutinized versus if you're in second, you're not expected. You, there's no expectations. It's like, yeah, he could win. But it's not like, oh, Ricky stunk it up and got second. It's like versus if you're winning and you lose, people are going to be like, oh, well, yeah, Ricky played horrible. He, he blew the tournament and got second, you know. So it's just it's just all about perspective. And so the perspective turns into pressure based on, you know, we can feel that. We can feel what the, you know, what the crowd's feeling, you know, what the crowd's feeling, what, you know, all that stuff. We can feel the energy. So, yeah, it's 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 a lot more involved mentally more than anything. It's not it's nothing. It's really not anything to do with physical. It's more. I think a lot of players. It's more just mental. The mental grind is the toughest thing. But I mean, you we're still we're still professionals. We're gonna you know even we, we're never gonna show all these things that's going through our head like <laughs> I'm saying right now. People would never <laughs> notice that obviously. Sure. <laughs> um, but it's you know like I said, we're professionals. We're gonna fight through it. We're gonna find ways to you know try to try to you know refill that mental well even when we don't you know feel like we have anything left to give and that's why you sometimes see players and pros like get a bad break or something and then they just almost seems like they give up 
it's almost like it's not it's not really a give up it's more of just like I, I did everything. I thought I threw that shot perfect. Didn't work out. I have no men- more mental energy to give. I just got to like, it's just, a, it's just a build up, build up, build up. And then you pop. And then it's the pop is like, well, I, there's nothing else for me to do right now. I feel like I can't win. I've, you know, just all the, everything just stacking against me. And you're, so you're on the feature card a lot. Clearly. Um, not only like rounds where you want to be two, three, and four, or two and three, but a, a lot of times round one as well, because you, you know, you're either on, you know, the, the feature card or the Jomez card or whatever. Do you find it more relaxing to not be on one of those cards sometimes? Do you like w- do, is it or is it strange for you to like actually have a round of golf where you look around and you're like, there ain't nobody filming me. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's kind of it's kind of brings me back to the old days, like where maybe you would have Terry, you know, there like a little with a little camera, you know, like filming you. <laughs> but it wasn't like it's like most of the camera crews now have like you know even Gatekeeper, all the all of them pretty much have four or five people on the course uh, with cameras. So it's not like it's not like you just have Terry right there. You know, you know, you can turn to Terry and just say a funny, stupid joke and laugh. So it's not really like the pre- it's, Terry doesn't really put the pressure on, which is a good it's a good thing. You know, he's there and he's getting the video and getting the content, but you can joke around with him and stuff. And you can do that with the other guys. I'm not saying you can't, but it's just a different feeling because, you know, you know, you know, the, the reach that all, the, you know, that 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 the camera, the camera crews and all these video coverage has. So, you know, that that automatically comes with pressure for the better or for worse. Um, and so I think the first round is actually harder than the others because it's like people watch that and they're like, Oh, you know, either, you know, obviously if I play good, it's great. But if I don't, it's even way worse than if I weren't on camera because, Oh, Ricky, did you see Ricky's round one? He played horrible, missed every putt, missed every drive. <laughs> and so, whereas if, if I, you know, if I wasn't on camera, they wouldn't really be able to see it. They just see mm-hmm. the score, you know? <laughs> and so I think when they are able to see how you shot that score, it's actually can be way worse. So it, if you shoot good on camera, it can be that much better. But if you shoot worse, it can be that much worse <laughs> when you <laughs> for sure. Uh, now, what is it specific? I, your girlfriend's in Mexico, but are there things that you're still out exploring? Um, you know, do you have a list? Does she have a list? Is 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 that kind of the official retreat place for uh, you know an un, undisclosed amount of time? I mean. Yeah, is that going to be continue to be your go to place, or do you feel like uh, it, it's a place that's convenient that you can get to now? Why Mexico? Yeah, so we're really right now. I first of all, I, she's she's obviously from here, so I want to spend time with her and, and, and all that. But the second thing is, we visa is hard right now, so we can't. We're not. We're yeah. having trouble getting a visa, so I'm, I'm going here instead because you can't really get in the country because we're working on all the visas and stuff, and it's all backed up because of COVID and. You know, you know, everybody's visa expired. So because you couldn't really do anything. So now everybody's trying to get their, you know, their visas and passports and all that stuff. So the um, immigration process is just insane and it's just so backed up. And, and so, yeah, I just decided that I'm going to come here and visit her since she can't come into the country um, for makes perfect sense. Months. And, now, where, what, what kind of things will you guys go do? Like, where are like, I don't. Yeah, I guess you said the city. But what are the types of things that you go, you'll go out and enjoy? Or is it just all poolside all day? Yeah. <laughs> no no we're we're going to do cool stuff so like today we went and we had like lobster we had all that stuff like lobster and crab and we had a nice that was kind of like my my uh win, winning winning dinner i got to share with with ari and, and her so we went out and had nice dinner and then tomorrow we're gonna go to just like a cruise to like a an, a private island and go like waterfall hunting and snorkeling 
and um, and that stuff. And then actually on Friday, it's funny that Doug Bjerkis, um, he's like the he's like the manager of DD now, and he helps run the D, the Dynamic Dis Open. Uh, he's actually flying in randomly, and I found out last week at the Dynamic Dis Open that he's going to be here, and he rented a, a private uh, tuna fishing charter boat, and we're going to go like five hour charter and, and go tuna fishing and then bring back the tuna and go eat it at a restaurant. So I wow. like, yeah. So we're just going to do, yeah, doing fun stuff like that. And, uh, and then one night where there's like a Cirque du Soleil show where you can go and, uh, they take for like a dinner and then you get to see some Cirque du Soleil show and, uh, and on like a private Island or something. So yeah, just that kind of stuff is really cool. And I like, I like, you know, the night it's obviously nice weather. I get to walk around and get, you know, they always have, you know, mango smoothies on the, you know, <laughs> smoothie stands on the side of the road and, you know, coffee shops. Just for me, it's just doing all that stuff that like outside of disc golf because I need, mm-hmm. you know, I need to take a break. And just like anything, like because for me, three weeks, three weeks is three weeks entirely straight. It's all day, every day, disc golf, nothing else where, you know, most people work Monday through Friday and, and they're done. You know, they get this, you know, kind of have their refill that mental well on the weekends, you know, and do whatever they do with whatever their hobby is play disc golf for a lot of people that's their hobby but um and they refill their mental well and then comes monday and then it slowly depletes throughout the week <laughs> and then you know that process just keeps going uh but for us it's just monday through friday every day or monday through sunday all day every day is disc golf and so yeah just doing anything i can hiking going out fishing going you know swimming in the ocean just you know you know going for a run on the beach just you know just being in nice weather you know going cool coffee shops just just completely just tapping out from disc golf and just just being a normal person and not having to just have all these obligations and so it's just kind of, that's just the most refreshing thing really no it makes perfect sense uh, obviously well deserved and also even equally as deserving if not more is the fact that you've had the successes and put yourself in a position throughout all of these years that when you are successful and and you've earned yourself the the contract and the rewards in which you have now you're rewarded even more handsomely than you were 5 or 10 or 15 years ago or whatever the case might be because yeah you've you know continued to put forth this consistency throughout your entire career which makes you one of our highest paid athletes so uh, in terms of your overall schedule it looks like, I mean, this weekend, the challenge at Goat Hill is taking place. That's a Silver Series event. But the next one on your schedule that you're coming back for will be uh, the Masters Cup, which I believe is also still a, is now a Silver Series event. So you'll come back to the Masters Cup, three rounds out there at Dela. Um, some might ask, why... Why bother when you're you? You know, I think of Dickerson and Conrad and Macbeth and and our our most elite players, yourself included, kind of skip the Silver Series at this point because you're you're getting into the finals, you know, in in Charlotte. So why yeah. why the Masters Cup? Why why still compete at that one? Yeah, no, I'll kind of go into something that the players have been talking about. And I appreciate you asking that. Is that the points? I mean, that obviously, I think within the players, there's a lot of talk about like hey i need to play this event to get in the points and i think that that's uh, play this event to get points to go into the pro tour finale but i think that that's something that pro tour is doing a great job of is adding drama like hey you know you got to play these events because you got to qualify for the points and the players are really feeling that because fields are getting harder it's harder to, to win tournaments i mean just because i'm doing it doesn't mean it's easy i mean i am i'm thankful that i'm putting myself in the positions to win and capitalizing uh which i have the the, the two wins i've got 
and and but it still doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, just because just because you do something doesn't mean it's automatically easy, even if it may seem like it. It's it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of mental energy. But anyways, yeah. So the Pro Tour is putting a lot a premium on points and based on the fields. And and so I think that you know for me it's obviously I I'm gonna have enough points to qualify and get to the finale. But I think for me it's just getting just playing the events that I enjoy playing, like day law, there's not going to be 40 mile an hour headwinds and, <laughs> and, and raining. I mean, it's so like, there's just going to be 200 fun. foot rollaways. And <laughs> I, well, I don't know. Cause a couple of years, a couple of years ago, it was like one of the nastiest rainstorms I've ever seen at day law playing through that, but it's not common though. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Monsoon, yeah. but in general, most of the, most of the time day lies 70 or 80 degrees. Nice. Not, not windy. You know, you just get a lot of like Terry. You played there. It's a lot of mid-range putter shots, fairway mm-hmm. shots. You're not like throwing as hard as you can with a driver on every hole, which is what what our tour is now. Pretty much is bomber throw as far as you can, and then you know chip up to the par four with OB everywhere and and try to try to land safe, and hopefully you don't have a heart attack <laughs> with all the OB. <laughs> that it is um, because yeah, I mean you guys, that's pretty much the challenge we have is lots of out of bounds, lots of distance. And so daylight just doesn't have that. So it's a lot. It's like a, it's almost like a week off mentally. Obviously, I'm still going to focus. I'm still going to practice. I'm still going to go through my routine. But it's just not the stress of like going going to a, a course where you, you know it's, it's always windy, always rainy, that kind of stuff. And so it's just a fun fun course to play, and I just enjoy playing there. And so I that's the biggest reason. It's not for points. It's not for money. It's just you sometimes got to do things just for for it's it's fun. I just have fun playing disc golf there. Okay. And, you know, I obviously can't say everywhere I go, you know, and, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's just, the, the, there's just tournaments that every year the, the rain clouds follow you, the wind, the tornadoes follow <laughs> you and that, and so it just seems like it, the tournaments. Yeah. It's, and so that's definitely not one of them. And then the other silver series I'm playing is, is Beaver state fling. And that, that's just always been one of my top five favorite courses. So those are the two silver series I'm playing. And then, um, everything else is pretty much an elite series. And, and yeah, I think that, I like what they're doing with the Elite Series. I think eventually they're going to have the Elite Series be for – it's like the coming up tour is like mm-hmm. if you're a top X player in the world, you basically just can't play the Silver Series. It's used for people trying to make the Elite Series. And I think that that's slowly what it's turning into. Um, obviously, you'll have you know, you know the, the top 10 or 20 players in the world play a handful of two, uh, Silver Series here and there. But for the most part, it's local pros and, and – and, uh, touring pros that you know on the way to the next stop they're either playing it or for whatever reason they're playing it just because they like it um but eventually like i said i think that's the goal is just to have it be kind of a feeder tour into the elite series and i like that i think that they're slowly kind of forming that into what it's going to become down the road yeah it, it certainly has felt like that um one of my questions and and i'm going to backtrack just slightly and maybe it would have fit in a little bit earlier but you know, we discussed the, you've at length discussed the mental grind that it is week in and week out. And as one of your, you know, biggest competitors throughout the last decade, we saw Paul not make the cut. And in, in some ways, some people would say, who cares? That's not at all, uh, you know, a factor in this tournament. But I think you're fooling yourself as a disc golf fan if that's not news and it is in my opinion 
It's news. He didn't make the cut. Sure, it was by a single stroke. But ultimately, in a four-round event, after three rounds, he wasn't in position to play to the next round. So my question to you is, I don't want to say that does that scare you, but does that make you think like, hey, any one of us are truly vulnerable because the competition has gotten stiffer, the courses are getting tougher, the mental grind is harder. Does that does does that mean anything to you that Paul missed it? Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of variables that go into it for sure. I mean, like you said, a lot of people, you know, just, there are, people are just going to spew right off right off the get go and not know <laughs> what the, what what all goes into it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely crazy. It's but it, but like there's the the courses are hard, the, the the fields are harder, the conditions were are insanely insanely ridiculous for most of the most of the tournament um and you know three weeks of tournaments in a row that's you know th- there's a lot of that that can snap you out mentally and um and i think that for him he's obviously just like me he wants to win and so once you know once you know day two was and he was not day two came along and he didn't play very good now comes day three he's going in the tournament and and the third day knowing there's a cut probably, or probably he might not even know there's a cut but he what he's trying to do is he's trying to get back in contention to win, and so the conditions day three, those are that's not that's that's not that's not a thing. When there's when there's thirty mile hour winds, you're you're not going to slam in 40, 50, 60 footers. What you're going to do is you're going to try to make that putt and three putt, and so you know so that there's the wind is just so unpredictable that you're you can't be consistent in in putting in anything, and so when when you're trying to just press and and make up strokes. You're just going to lose strokes, and so I, I didn't even know. I don't know what happened, but that, I can almost guarantee that's what happened. Is he got hyper aggressive, and then you just completely get punished because most of the time when when it's no win, yeah, you can get away with that. He's good enough. He's he's a great player, great putter, and you're and you have full control whether you make or miss a shot. In the win, you can throw a perfect putt, perfect shot, get a win lift, and there's a two or three stroke swing right there on one hole because mm-hmm. <laughs> you threw okay. a perfect drive, lifted one OB, then you threw your upshot. You th- and, and then you throw a perfect putt, the wind lifts. I mean, that, that can happen. There's a three-stroke swing on a hole for sure. I mean, within those winds, that's that's totally possible. You have a couple of those. Next thing you know, you know, you just gave away six, seven strokes to the field, <laughs> you know. And so that's the kind of stuff. And, and, and it's not just the regular fields. I mean, these fields are, you know, obviously the, the dynamic just open field was, was crazy. Tons of great players. And, and so people aren't just – there's going to be people out there that don't do that. And, and so you just got to know your limitations. And I think that he, he just doesn't care. He's just, he's just like, all right, it's all, you know, I'm either going to get in contention to win or I'm going to miss the cut. And I guess that's just the type of player he is. And yeah, I, I personally don't agree with that. I'm, that's not, if, if, if I, if I'm in that spot, I'm going to realize that, Hey, if I have six 50, 60 footers in a round, I'm going to three putt. Doesn't matter how good of a putter you are, you're get pretty much guaranteed a three putt. If you're if you're putting head and tailwind putts and you're chain high into a thirty mile an hour headwind, you're going to blow 30, 40 feet by every single time. <laughs> and so, and so, just all those things that that that, that factor in that um, that yeah, that plays a huge role. And and so, you know, that's kind of why I felt you know like I had control of the tournament is because when you have those conditions and you're trying to catch up, it's it, you're it's just it's you're fighting an uphill battle. It's not. It's not just like, hey, you're down six, seven strokes with two holes, two rounds of play. It's, you know, you're the round. Like you saw, the hot rounds of the last two, two round two and three are like 
three under and in whatever even or one under because <laughs> of how windy it was and i knew that going in i knew that there were 10 five six seven under really wasn't that wasn't even possible for for some of the windy conditions and so you just got to go in with expectations realizing like hey there's limitations i'm not going to be making these 50 footers so i might as well just lay them up because i have way more of a chance to three putt than i do to make it and that's just that's just the bottom line it doesn't matter how good of a player you are so I have so I have to ask then. I'm looking at the leaderboard, and obviously, congratulations on the win. But you've got Simon Lazai, okay. uh, Vino Makala, and then you have Aaron Gossage, Logan Harpool, Jake Hebenheimer, Brody Smith, GT Hancock. What is it, in your opinion? I have opinions that brought players that we're not normally seeing in the top ten up to the the top five, so to speak. You know, obviously, you know. For you, we, we know why you win. It's your skill. But these guys, we don't normally see them. So what do you feel like made it so that these guys are guys that we don't normally see? 10-10 rated players well, up at the top of an elite series event. That never happens right now. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. That's. I mean, it's cool. I, I got to play with a whole new group of people. I think that was, <laughs> that was really cool. I thought that was – I was excited for their opportunities. I mean, I'm in this point where I, my career where I'm – thankful where I am where I am and I, I like to see new people try to make names for the, some, themselves and make a career for themselves and I'm genuinely rooting for them obviously I'm trying to win and, <laughs> and, and be the fierce competitor that I am but I, I like to I like to see the Logan Harpools and talk with them throughout the round and, and say you know good job man good job getting here you know wish you the best today hope you know it's gonna be fun to play with you and, and all that stuff but but yeah I think that it's you know the confidence once you know once you don't have the pause and and a couple other people that, that didn't maybe didn't play other play very well. That opens up spots for other people, and so once that once it opens up, now you know comes round two or three, they start building some confidence. Like oh, you know I can play in the lead card, or you know like Brody, he played a, you know he played solid, and he's starting to build some confidence being in that spot in the spotlight on the feature card. And so confidence is huge. I mean, if you're if you're a player that's you know used to getting twentieth, thirtieth place, and then you jump up into top five or top ten, you start building that confidence and saying hey I can do this. And so I think a lot of players started building some confidence, getting into a spot. You have to get into that spot to be able to succeed, to then build confidence. If you never get there, you can't build the confidence. So, so I think just getting into that spot for those players is huge confidence booster for them. And I think it's big for their, it's big for their, you know, their points and all this other stuff. But it's just big for their confidence going forward into a next event. You know, even if they don't make a lead card for, I don't. Let's. I mean, if it's just next week, whenever the time is, next week or next three months from now. They're going to be able to kind of bank that and say, hey, what did I do wrong? What did I do good when I got under the pressure? And how can I kind of repeat that, repeat the good things and kind of go back to the drawing board and say, hey, I missed this putt when I was under pressure. Let's maybe make take a couple mental notes. So that way next time when I get under pressure, I can just think about these one or two things instead of just getting overwhelmed by the by the moment. And so just all the little mental tips you can give yourself uh, is, is super huge. And, and like I said, you can only get to that. You can only learn that when you're in that spot. And, and well, learn to even if you're failing, you learn how to you know succeed the next time. Was there a sp- I, and that's all great information? Do you think there was a specific skill this weekend that helped these guys as opposed to some of the other ones that we're not used to seeing? Was it was it better wind play? I mean, we know Logan Harpool is a Kansas guy. He's probably used to playing in the wind. Uh, Jake Hebenheimer has his. <laughs> horseshoe putt I, I don't know if that helped him out or not but do you think do you feel like there was a skill that helped you and maybe these other guys excel at this event versus some of the other guys who maybe aren't used to it yes i would say 100 percent 
that putting was pretty much a non-factor for the first three rounds. You're 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 not going to rely on 30, 25 to thirty footers. You if you are, you're not going to score because it's all about upshots. So upshots were the number one most important thing because when you're 150, 200 feet out, there's so much pressure on your upshot because if you throw an upshot and you can drop it in versus you have to make a 25, 20 to 25 footer in the ripping wind. I mean, there were, I don't think you remember, I didn't make very many 20, 25 footers, if any, when the, in the first <laughs> couple rounds. Um, be, most of mine were just tapping either birdies or pars mm-hmm. or maybe even a bogey here and there. But so up, up shots are, were so important. So Jake has a great, has great upshot skills. He's great touch. And, you know, he's not theoretically been a great putter. So he's just he's just got really good upshot skills. He's got really touch, really good touch around the basket. So he's able to throw a lot of upshots close to where th- that wind is not a factor. You know, you leave yourself, let's just say six or seven, 25 to 30 foot putt in that range. You're gonna maybe make one or two of those because of how windy it is. Mm-hmm. It's just you, you're just gonna get so many random reactions with your putter, and it's gonna drop. It could rise. And so versus the next guy, like say Jake, he he has five or six tap-ins instead those are guaranteed up and downs and so just the inconsistencies of the wind make upshots so much more important brody's really good at upshots he's got that zone shot that he's got dialed backhand and sidearm so i guarantee the first three rounds he was throwing a lot of upshots really close whereas maybe a lot of other competitors were having to grind in pars from 25 30 feet and they weren't making them a lot and so that was the number one most important thing of the week it was upshots i really think that and i think a lot of those players are theoretically really good upshot players and i think a lot of them are good throwing sidearm and backhand because if you have a ripping right to left wind and you're forced to throw a backhand you know it's can get a lot more squirrely mm-hmm. in that wind versus throwing a sidearm that maybe just get pushed down you have not, you sit a lot more uh, a lot softer on to, on the greens and you're not skipping or the wind's not kicking up and, and, and kicking your disc left or right so being able to control the spin with your sidearm mm-hmm. into into certain winds is super important too because and I, and I think that all that stuff plays a huge role. Did you enjoy playing in that weather? It uh, <laughs> we saw a lot of players think, that looked yeah. miserable. <laughs> See, I I love the challenge. I obviously disc golf's oh it's it, we're we're so good at putting. We're gonna throw far. We can we're gonna get a lot of birdies. So I've played so much disc golf throughout my career where you know you're having to shoot 10, 12 under to, to be the hot round and to be in contention to win. That I love the challenge of like hey can I get to you know, can I get to even or can I get to one under for this round? And I'll be pumped about that. <laughs> but for me, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm playing these conditions enough to where I can realize I can say, all right, here's the win today. This isn't going to be a 10 under day. You know, pars are going to be the the first two or three rounds. The pars were basically birdies, mm-hmm. as you saw with the scores. <laughs> I mean, if you parred every hole, you know, when when Jerm, I think, shot the three under, he had the hot round. Other than that, pretty much nobody shot in the pars. You part you part every hole. It's, you know whatever 10 40 10 50 golf i mean it's pretty good golf and so you know there's almost no time you can ever say that but um so yeah i, I like the challenge of like par is good you know par is good in those conditions whereas disc golf that's par's not very good par's not very good unless you know certain holes here and there but in general par's not and so i just think it's a new it's a new challenge that i really i, I like from a golf background where you shoot two or three under in golf at a professional level Every round, you're going to win tournaments, and you're going to be in top ten a lot. So he's just used to grinding out pars and you know just skirting along the course. You know, and whereas disc golf, it's can I get you know how, how many birdies can I get in a row to to <laughs> to give myself a chance to to shoot the hot round? You know, 
<laughs> and so I, I I thought it was a fun fun challenge and it's unique for sure. Yeah, not not everybody is thinking, man. How many birdies can I get in a row, and can I get all eighteen of them? Not everybody gets to think that. Uh, I just kind of randomly. Well, for starters, you hit on you answered a question that I kind of had in the back of my head, which was, uh, was putting irrelevant? And you, you almost verbatim said exactly that it was irrelevant. So your top level players. Some of them that wanted to still be aggressive or putt as if the wind wasn't there, that's what probably came back to bite them, and they don't have an advantage. When when any one of you, I mean, whether it's Paul or the rest of you guys, yourself included, when you're so good from circle one and circle two, but nobody's making them from circle one and circle two, you're not picking up those uh, advantage strokes. So I, 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 I think you really nailed the overall premise of the weekend, is that just putting wasn't as crucial or as advantageous. And in fact, you said the upshots were Uh quick side note. <clears throat> I just happened to look at the rounds and the out of bounds, and it'll be funny to compare them depending on the weather come <laughs> August, but round one at the Jones Supreme layout, the, the MPO field, 534 OB strokes. <laughs> You guys played way better in round two with 499 OB strokes as as a division. Then you guys go over to the country club course, 710 OB strokes at the country club for the entire division. And then I was thinking, wow, it was so much more calm, but there was also a third, you know, uh, two thirds less of the field. In round four, there were 204 uh ob stroke so it was more calm but literally there was you know all the worst worst players including some washed up players uh you know not <laughs> i can but uh you know so round four i don't think you can really fairly compare to round three yeah. but 710 ob strokes so believe it or not i can find a question in all of this and it would be you know you said you had some fun out there but a lot of fans really didn't like either watching you guys struggle and or seeing that much out of bounds. And sometimes those two overlapped. You struggled because there was OB, but do you have a response to someone that's at home watching and thinks, man, this doesn't excite me. I, I, I don't like what we're watching and I'm not excited for the world championships what would you say to them? Cause you're the guy, you yeah. know, doing the work. So I think they're, you know, for me, it's the, so for one, the, the conditions are going to be way different from where I wouldn't say way different, but I, from what, from people I talked to and Eric McCabe, who designed the course and lives in Kansas, he's, he basically says that the conditions are way less windy. So, so you're not gonna, you're not going to be seeing these 700 <laughs> out of bounds <laughs> in a round because I mean, that's, that's probably the windiest, tournament the first three rounds were the you know all were insane and so those rounds were just ridiculous and so that's a big reason why those the out of bounds came in so much more into play and and round and you said an interesting stat round four there was only 200 but i get if there was a full field i bet there would still be about half the ob as okay. round as round as round so that the the conditions were just completely insane it doesn't it doesn't it makes us look stupid, but because we're we're throwing out of bounds and missing putts, laying up putts, but um, but that's all strategical because you you know 
that that's all. It's just a different style of golf. It's just completely different. Like you have it in, in ball golf. You have you have majors where where people are missing super short putts. They're three putting. I mean, I mean, some of the majors in golf, people are shooting two under and three under is winning the event. And and so I think the Masters what fourteen under one, mm-hmm. and so pretty comparable. They have a challenging course. They got wind. They got all the tough. You know, the players get completely challenged. I mean, I don't know. Tiger made the cut and shot eight over for the tournament and made the cut. <laughs> I mean, so, so, I mean, yeah, he, he, he got killed by the course the last couple of days, they cut. And so I think, but yeah, there's, there's just different styles of golf. People are just, got, people are just so ingrained in seeing us, you know, per, per, play in good conditions and be able to just make slamming putts, throw, you know, long drives and just never go out of bounds. There's just, you have to, there's the little bit of inconsistency with the wind and you gotta, you gotta try to, to, to just minimize you know, you, you can't, you just can't do exactly what you do without wind, uh, w- with wind. And so I think for the viewers, it's just, they're just not used to see, not used to seeing me lay up 30 footers. And I didn't think like this is what the heck is he doing? You know, but it, it, it the conditions were so hard that I literally felt like even, even if I, if I throw a perfect putt, the wind probably will kick up and do something funky. And then I'm left with a 30 foot par putt instead of just laying up and having an automatic par when a lot of people are going to, go for that putt and and get a bogey and so it's all strategical and i and and you have to know that before before the fact obviously you know after the fact you can go back and like oh yeah if i played for par on every hole i would have had the second (laughs) hot round behind germ round three but um but i knew that going in and so that's i think why i played so well as i knew the expectation i didn't expect to shoot 10 under you just got to completely flip flop especially being a top player is it's like, yeah, I'm trying to shoot 10, 12, 13 under every single time I go out onto a course. But this week was a completely opposite, you know, you're going to flip the script here. you got to say, hey, you know, the you know the conditions are tough. There's OB everywhere. The wind is just completely ripping. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to play for pars and, you know, get some birdies where they come. But I'm not even going to force the birdies. If I just get pars, I'm, I'm pretty much fine with that. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think about how you opened the tournament. Do you recall what went down? Yeah, I threw straight out of bounds trying to lay up. So <laughs> and then, the but then you go to the drop zone. What are you doing running yeah. at that? Like the, it's an elevated basket. If you don't draw legitimate metal, you're going right off the back side of that, and you're going OB again, and you're reteeing or rethrowing from the drop zone. I think. That was actually that was insane because if I had that same putt, I would probably just lay it up. I didn't actually even know the rule, so that rule actually the fact that I didn't know it actually benefited me because I probably just benefited me one stroke. And then after that, people were like, "Oh, you're a maniac!" I'm like, "What? I would just tapped in and got a you know bogey uh-huh. or whatever." But they're like, "No," or I would have got a double bogey actually. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, it, but yeah, no, I I would have yeah, I would have completely. And then after that, luckily I I executed the layup after that. And, and then got a par, but yeah, I didn't know the rules. So I think that was actually beneficial. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you just, the way you opened the tournament, I mean, the OB is not a surprise necessarily at all, really for anyone on that whole, even in calm conditions, but then to can the putt from the drop zone, what, uh, you know, I don't know if Emacs out there listening or not. And, and, and honestly, it shouldn't matter, but do was there any hole or holes that you, would love to see changed. We'll, we'll, we'll word it that way. I was going to say that you don't like, but let's yeah. just say, was there any holes out there you'd really love to see changed or you think needed like a significant tweak at Jones Supreme? I, I, I'd start yeah. at Jones Supreme, but I'd say either. Sure. Yeah. So, 
I wanted to answer one question first. So I want to also, because I know you said the viewers' expectation of us playing. I want to, yeah. Like I think when you're when the viewers are watching, they got to realize the conditions too. They can't, you know, you got to realize what we're playing, and it's hard to really see how windy it is. And because I've watched the FPO coverage, and I, you know, I can you can sort of see the their ponytails waving in the wind or whatever. But <laughs> like when that's happening, that means it's absolutely ripping, and and the viewers can't see that. And so the viewers got to change their expectations for us players too, and say, "Hey, oh, these conditions are tough. They got to battle through." So just like a player does, the viewers I think have to also do that and say, "Hey, like I can't expect Ricky just to make 50, 60 footers all day because the wind is so so ripping. It's just you know expose your putter at any angle, it's just gone." <laughs> and so <laughs> you just, so that's the one thing I want to say is just if you're a viewer, realize that hey, the wind is just as hard or harder than playing in the wind in the rain i would say um and and then on to your question yeah i think hole one honestly is 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 just uh at jones supreme is is i think it's a good hole i like the green i like the the structure of the hole i think that it's really cool how it's perched up on the rocks and they did a lot of good architecture there i just think the rules should change i think that when you have that small of a green and it's like 280 feet you know wind or no wind that's just it's a hard hole to hit that green so you're just forcing a lot of people to lay up because the percentages really just aren't there to to go for it with mm-hmm. that small of a green and if you miss the green uh, unless you're me and want to make a putt and not know the rule and you get most of the time you just get an automatic bogey <laughs> but um so i <laughs> um but just because i did that doesn't legitimize the hole no I, I'm not no saying you got lucky but uh, yeah exactly i did i got lucky um but um but yeah, I think that the rule just needs to change. I don't. I don't think it should be so punishing. I think, I think that, and it's weird because you know, yeah, I don't know because I, I don't know if you should just make. I think I think it's a fine hole just how it is without making it out of bounds. But so that's one hole I definitely and I think Eric's kind of took a lot of feedback from that and realized that hey, I think we you know we're gonna change that. Um, there's a couple holes that are kind of close to cedar trees also that like you can be literally ten feet away and just completely have no putt. Yeah, like uh, the green of seven. Well, I, and see, and, I like and that. And the green of eight. I like, like that. Right? I don't think we see enough of that in, in golf where you have to literally place your your approach shot on a specific side of the basket or you're in trouble. Right. I, per- personally, and I know obviously everybody has their yeah. own preference, I, no, I think sure. that's I think that, that really plays into the green as far as your placement shot. Like, oh, man, I came into the left, and I know that Cedar's there. I really needed to get right. it more right. But I can understand how that can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it's – so I, I, I see it from a course design standpoint, but I think there needs to be like at least a standard of, hey, there's, you know, maybe 20 feet circle. Like, hey, there's cedar tree. Once you go to 22 feet, 25 feet left or right, yeah, there's going to be – you can place bushes and stuff there. But when you're like that close, I think you should have a legitimate, you know, spot to be able to putt. But like I said, I, so I totally – I agree with what you're saying as far as – you know, I want to have some bunkers on certain sides of the green to where, hey, if you go on this side of the green, it's an obstructed putt. You can still make it, but it's just a lot harder than landing, you know, 20 feet left versus 20 feet right. There's a huge difference there. And so you got to kind of be strategical. Um, but I've heard some players talking about how they were frustrated with and, – and it's hard for – I've always felt like I've been pretty good as far as like, you know, going to a course and, you know, if I shred a course, oh, I love that course. Or if I, you know, if I get shellacked by the course, oh, I, that course is terrible, you know, but, but like, so just that one doesn't mean it's the absolute perfect course in the world. You know, I like the course. And I think it's a solid course, but I think that there's definitely some things that can change like a one. I think some of the, um, 
greens clean up a little bit to where there's still trees there, but they're not literally like, I think some of them are literally like 10 feet away from the basket. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think of hole eight specifically, which I know you were under, right? Some, some uh, of the trees near hole eight, those come in very close to the basket. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, and so I think that, so there's small changes, but, and, and, and so that's the other thing is too. The courses play so much different in wind versus no mm-hmm. wind, mm-hmm. and and that's the thing is that course kind of they made that course look so much different than it really normally plays because because you know it brought in so much more out of bounds than normal. I mean, some of the OBs that people were throwing in were just they'll people will never throw in that out of bounds unless there's that much wind. You know, <laughs> it's just you just saw you just see things that you don't ever see like people picking up and rolling like crazy. I mean. You saw Brody shot on the one. Uh, he threw an upshot. It literally skipped, landed safe, and then just completely rolled like yeah, well, five. 50 feet randomly. Like, and it was just like it looked like the disc completely stopped, and it just all of a sudden still picked up and rolled sideways somehow. It yeah, didn't, no it trees, didn't, no nothing. <laughs> it didn't cost him a stroke it though, because because you guys took it way way up further than you should have. And he hit that putt, man. He should have been at least thirty feet further back, based on the cameras. And I know you guys can't I know, see that. I saw that after. Yeah, you yeah, guys no, can't see that. Yeah. No blame there. It's just funny. Like, well, well, he he was yeah. he was unlucky because I honestly, of all the shots I saw, and I, I I literally see I think almost every shot on my cameras of the lead mm-hmm. two, maybe three cards. I didn't see yeah. a lot of really bad wind breaks, honestly, for, yeah, that, yeah, that I, I looked at, and I and I, and I said. Man, that was bad. That one that Brody got, that was utter yeah, baloney. Sucked. Yeah. It sucked. Like because it looked great and then it blew out. But then he got to take it up there, so ultimately he didn't really lose a stroke yeah. and this and that. But yeah. yeah. It was like an optical illusion. And literally when we saw mm-hmm. it, I was like, Oh, cool, good shot. And then it's and then and then it just started flying sideways. I'm like, what the heck? There's no <laughs> how is that even possible? <laughs> Defies gravity. Uh but yeah, no, it's and then, well, this, the couple spit outs, I mean, that, that def, the wind definitely affected that. I think that, See, you know, you can say basket this, basket that. No, but I think when it's that windy and you're putting, up, it doesn't matter the basket. You're, if you have a 40-mile-an-hour headwind, 30 to 40-mile-an-hour headwind, it doesn't matter. If you hit a putt in the top of the chains, it's just going to fly yeah, back. And, but that's just, my – and that's the point I was telling people was like I, we saw James Conrad have like two of those. And I, I, I – no offense to James, but I called it lazy putting. He was within 15 feet. You can't hit it that high. And I know it's tough. We saw Jake. And one of the things I really liked about Jake uh, Hebenheimer's putt was his dad putt comes in nose down into the chains almost every time because the way his swing is, Mm -hmm. it comes up like the disc is rising, but the nose is down. So to keep that wind out, Uh I feel like watching you players like hit these baskets middle to middle high like you're like just like you said, you're asking for those spit outs. Like you have to hit. Yeah. Coming from the Midwest, we we've played in maybe not wind quite as bad, but 20, 25 mile an hour winds. You know you have to get it right above the right above the cage, get it nose down, and then I'll give you ninety percent of the time it'll stick. Sometimes you get the weird <laughs> pitch up. I mean, there's no doubt. But I I watched all these putts yeah. and I'm like, that one was high. In a normal wind, yeah. that's fine. But so many of these are like, you can't hit them high. You have to hit them well, Or they threw them the right height and it lifted oh, yeah. enough to hit high. Uh, that could happen therefore, too. therefore, uh, you know, uh, they come out. Yeah, 100%. That could happen as well. <laughs> like you can be yeah. aiming low and the headwind lifts it up for sure. <laughs> exactly. So I guarantee you, you know, it, that's the other thing is it's like it's so windy sometimes you can't get too cute and be like, oh, I'm just going to try to land, you know, yeah. two inches above the rim. 
and don't and you aim into the rim and don't get a rise and you just doink the putt. So it's mm-hmm. like you'd rather take the chance to spit out and actually <laughs> hit the chains and then you throw right into the cage and have no chance. You know, so that's the other thing that it's like it's hard to really can you know that's just getting nitpicky. It's hard you know yeah you spit exactly. out you spit out you still got to throw chains you know <laughs> in, in hard because if you don't throw it hard into the chains the wind's just going to do something funky with their putter anyway you know <laughs> now. I, I don't know if there's any truth to this, and I should. I the thought just came to mind, so I was going to text Jeff Spring specifically. But have you ever heard that the pro tour potentially has a? I don't want to say an uh, amendment's not the word. Uh, no, I was going to say a stipulation as to if sustained winds get to too extreme that they would consider halting play. Have you have you ever even heard of such a thing? Okay. I, I don't no, I, and, and I only I, asked because I saw somebody else post it and it sounded as if they were in the know or semi factual. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that. But I that's why I was just wondering yeah. if you've ever heard of such a thing. Yeah, I mean we're playing an outdoor sport. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's just part of the game we have. I mean yeah, you're, you're, as long as nobody's say, nobody's as long as it's not so windy that trees are falling or any of that. That's really the most important thing. As far as play, I don't think the pro tour really is concerned unless the safety safety comes into ball in the hand. You know, you know, as long as the tournament gets played, I guess you know Jeff Spring probably doesn't shoot care if we shoot a hundred over or a hundred under. As long as the, <laughs> everyone's safe and everyone's like all the operations going good. Um, I mean that's pretty much. This was like a hundred over type of type of weekend <laughs> by the categorize, um, but um, yeah, no, I think I don't. I don't think that'll. Okay, I, again, well, so, so I, somebody posted you, it in the chat and it was on the internet, so I knew it had to be true. So do you do you think that should happen? <laughs> if if we see winds like this, we're let's say we're not in worry of any sort of tornado, but we're seeing sustained thirty mile an hour winds. Do you feel like the postponement should happen? I mean, we saw the first three rounds would have been postponed practically this week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's the thing is that then you do that and then it's like you run into like you won't, you know, in Kansas, you won't be able to pretty much play at all in the spring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, I, there wasn't that many trees to be, to fall on people. I think that's kind of the stuff that runs through their heads is like Kansas. We're not playing in a forest like we are, you know, you know, Vermont or MVP or one of those. So there's not really a bunch of trees that can fall and you know hurt somebody so i think that 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 in my opinion is more important and but and yeah i mean it, it don't get me wrong it's it's insanely challenging to throw a, a, a shot and you know it almost feels like you can't throw a disc once it gets to a certain level of wind for sure i'm not saying that it's easy um but yeah i mean i i, would, I, I think 40 i think 40 would be like that would be like if i had to make a rule then yeah. make a cutoff but but then it's like, how do you how do you judge it? Because some, you know, it could be forty mile an hour for two seconds. Well, two and seconds. and yeah, again, I I know I'm digging yeah. down a you know maybe a non-existent rabbit hole. But what I had seen posted was sustained thirty mile per hour plus. So yeah, not talking about a forty mile an hour gust or when this weekend certainly got up to gust of thirty plus, etc. Uh, I had read sustained 30 mile per hour plus i'm taking a random shot at texting jeff spring to see if this exists or if somebody was just you know yanking my chain on the internet which has never happened before which is funny because like i said you and i've been around forever and i've never Uh, seen it and and uh, correct and i know it's not a pdga rule i'm wondering if there is a designated stipulation or amendment or whatever you want to use yeah that's something that's specific to the pro tour 
it's not crazy. It's not entirely crazy. No. no. Um, but I'm as a purist sure. of the game, I wouldn't think it exists. But maybe it does. I, I that's uh, that's why I brought it up. I'm pretty sure the USDGC did it one year for the when when Germ War won in the hurt. I think they were saying that that's why they one of the reasons why they canceled it because the wind was going to be so strong that they were literally thinking trees were going to start falling on people. Yeah, and stuff. And correct. I think they, I think and that was a hurricane. On, yeah, whole, in whole four had issues, I believe, with wind, with with yeah. branches falling at, at USDGC. Yeah, so. and it, I, yeah, and I understand that was a very unique scenario with literally a hurricane on the way. And they're like, if we don't give Germ a win here, we don't know if he'll ever get one. So like, <laughs> no, no I, I just <laughs> no. But seriously, it. <laughs> um, so I understand that was a very unique scenario, and I I fully support what they did there um i just didn't know if there was maybe you know somewhere that the dgpt had put this out so no no big deal um yeah um so obviously we come back almost four months to the day within you know it's pretty close to four months later the world returns the world championships come back all that good stuff and you know to the mothership of dynamic discs to your first world championship win in 2016 riding you know riding the the waves the winds from this year i mean how much do you you know how much of that those good vibes do you tuck under your pillow and how much of those do you just forget and say hey i've got to buckle up for a whole new tournament come worlds yeah i'm definitely like soaking it in and and and, you know and you know like like this week or this last week i relied a lot on my previous experiences there i mean just knowing what you can and can't do on these courses when it gets to those conditions. I think that's experience plays a huge role in that. And, and so for me, that was, that was a huge part that allowed me to outlast the field is because I, you know, I saw people, you know, Thomas Gilbert, for example, you know, he, he must've three putted three or four times that one round when I played with him, and he, and he's a great player. He's a great putter. He just, you know, that's, that's the win for you. If you're, if you're hyper aggressive on, on your putts, you're, you're just, you're just, going to three putt if you have you know a lot of 30 40 50 footers and so that you know you know i think i'm able to do, to do that and and you know fall back on experiences when i need them and i feel like is is comfortable but i'm you can never live in the past too much you know you still i still have to i'm using every tournament and as a building block and, and i used every round as a building block this week i, de- I definitely thought about hey what you know i'm going to treat this like a world championships what what can i do situationally on this hole to get myself ready so that way when I come back for the actual worlds, I can, I can kind of soak this all in and then, you know, pretend that I'm, that I'm at the worlds. And so just taking in all the elements, taking in all the variables of the course and, and, and seeing what I do under pressure. I think that's also another thing that's super important. I always go back to that is, Hey, what do I do under pressure? What are my tendencies under pressure? So that way next time I get into the spot, hopefully at the world championships, I can make the adjustment on this whole with this wind condition, with this, you know, whatever the, the situation may bring. And so for me, that was something I was definitely thinking about this week and that I can bank in my brain and memory and bring it out when I need it at the Worlds. Now, uh, speaking of banking things, clearly the, a weekend like this weekend, all but Jack stats for the year. I mean, there might be more, you know, so, well, we just talked about 710 OBs in a single round, which I know isn't a personal stat. Well, it is a stat for people, but um, 
everything gets a little bit thrown off when you have people multiple times this weekend laying up from inside the circle. Uh, does does any of that matter? And I guess maybe because it applies to everyone that was there, everyone's stats got a little jacked for the weekend. But does any of that matter to you? Yeah, it's funny because I, I travel and I've been good buddies with Corey Ellis this year, and mm-hmm. he won the putting. Eighty three percent, right? C one X eighty three percent last year. Ninety two percent circle one. Okay, 92. and I, and the first thing I said to him, and I go, dude, you didn't even play play dynamic disc open. Like, what? What? That's not even a thing. That's not real. <laughs> <laughs> and and then this year, he told me a story where he like he parked uh, like a I don't know one of the holes at, at uh, Country Club, and it was like a three hundred thirty foot hole. Threw it inside the circle, and then ended up taking an eight. And and so and and I was any any you know I don't throw him under the bus, but he, he ended up missing the cut, and it was and, it, and I was like like that's a perfect example of what the wind can do, and how it can mess up your stats. I mean you you add up the strokes when you throw it inside the circle and take an eight. That's a a lot of uh, percentage points <laughs> that's going to go against your putting stats. Um, and so yeah, I mean it, it it plays a huge factor in it because. Like I said, like you said, you, you know, you weren't even trying to make it. So should it even really count against your, <laughs> that? um, I, which I, you know, it's, it's such a weird thing because it's like, you know, you can't, you know, most of the time I, it's a situation. It's just so tough, but, but yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it counts against everybody. And I think that, you know, it's as many people that are going to lay up, it's going to, I feel like it'll, it was should even out in the long run, but. You know, you, if you're a good enough player and a good enough putter, you can get your your stats back to normal after you know a couple events. You know, if you if you drop down to maybe eighty percent or something after this, you know, if you if you have a couple ninety something percenters uh, in a tournament, you can jump back up to a normal. It's still going to overall drop it. Yeah, but, for sure. You know, it's, um, but yeah, I think it, for the players that maybe didn't play it, like last year, Corey didn't play it, and that's you know I think a big reason why he did, he he won. And no, he's he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, he's he's a great putter, and I play with him a lot. He's he's absolutely deserving of a putting title because he's he's a great player. But but yeah, it's it's it it it, it definitely pads some stats. Like sometimes it can even do the opposite, make you look like you're a great circle one putter if you're maybe don't if you're having a bunch of thirty four footers. And it was just outside the circle, but you're missing them. And mm-hmm. then you just tap in for a, for a, for the next putt. Then it makes it look like you're 100 percent from circle one. Sure, <laughs> sure. But that just goes, yeah, tells you that you're a terrible. You're not throwing the disc very well if you're not throwing it inside the circle. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're a good circle one putter. <laughs> you know. Very true. Now, uh, following all of that up, why are you missing more putts this year? <laughs> like what? I, you. I, I and I'm I love you, but you have missed more than I expect of you. You are an elite level putter, and I can think to a number of times I've been out on the course and like my jaw drops, like you missed. I can think of a few at Champions <laughs> Cup specifically, um, but you, you, you've missed more than I and and this is truly a compliment because you have a high bar. I expect yeah. every time you touch a putter from inside 66 feet, I expect yeah. you drawing metal or putting it in. I genuinely do. Yeah. Like, no, honestly, I do. So when you have airballed or even just flat out missed a few putts this year. I've gasped at a few of your yeah. putts yeah. on live coverage. Like, <gasps> like what? what? Well, I didn't expect I that. So I'll say, why are you missing putts? Dude, if I if I knew I would stop doing it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to tell you. 
Well, I'd like you to report back and uh, and and fix it it and report back. I mean, am I wrong? Tell me, am I wrong? Are you missing a few more than normal? Yeah, no, you're you're right. I have I I have missed more than I than I would like. But there's just one thing that I'm doing that's really stupid and it's stuck in my head right now. Where normally I'm looking at the basket and sometimes I'll I'll black out and like like just for whatever reason I'll just like stop me too like focus on. (laughs) on a link or something <laughs> i like and i won't focus on the spot that i'm looking at and i'll just kind of like just putt like just putt without like blindly without looking at the actual target like unless i'm zoning in then as soon as i like just look at the basket as a whole then i then i miss the putt because i'm not like focused on the actual spot that i want to hit and so I, I'll, i'm doing it's a focus thing for me as well I'll like lose focus and like not look at where i want to want to putt and then and i'll just do something stupid and so it's a mental thing for me where I, I just don't fully focus. I like almost take it for granted and I'm like, all right, well that, that was stupid. That's what you get, you know? <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, I, that's just, that's just on me. It's something I'm, I'm working on to incorporate that in my routine and get it there every single time. And so it's in, in putting is always something it's all, it's all routine. And, and you got to like, for me, it's like going through like a one, two, three thing. All right, focus, you know, get, get your, get your spot. And then, and then maybe take two mental notes that, hey, I want to swing my arm like this, extend my arm towards the basket or whatever, whatever the three little tips you have that you give yourself. That, that's, those are the most important things when you're playing tournaments and you're under pressure a lot. Now, the other thing, speaking – oh, there's a disc. Johnny, can you hand me that? Oh, the other thing sure. that you've done this year, because, again, this is my job. Sometimes I make up stuff. Sometimes I'm on. But the other thing <laughs> you've done this year with your putting specifically – is you're no longer holding? I'm going to try and hold up a, a Heimberg Wait, destroyer here in front here. of your face. Um, <laughs> you no longer pull up your left hand and rest it against your uh, against your putter. Yeah. You intentionally have pulled your hand back, and you're you're coming through and swinging with just one hand, and you don't have that other point of contact. I noticed that months ago, right? It's actually, yeah. No, it's actually something I'm actually. For some reason, at some point, I stopped doing that, and I don't. I couldn't tell you why. It's just like you, you, for putting is so weird. There's all these little minute things that, like, sometimes I forget, and sometimes I, you know, I'll do, and then I won't. And so, I'll notice when I start missing putts is I'll, you know, I'll start doing something like focus thing, or like you said, putting your hand. Like I'm still working on. Like that's something I that I've actually noticed myself. And sometimes you, we just we're just so you know s- stuck in our ways that we don't even notice that. But like. I've noticed, you know, that's something I'm, I've been working on because I think stabilizing the putter for me is something I want to do. It's just, you know, sometimes it's not part of my routine for whatever reason. And it's all about muscle memory. If you're not doing it in practice, you're not going to do it in the tournament. And so for some reason, I think I was like putting with a bunch of putters and wasn't able to like put my hand on my putter. And then I start, you know, started holding, you know, a stack of putters in one hand and putting in the other. And then I just kind of got used to like not stabilizing the putter. But then it wasn't actually a good thing. Well, because, you know, I mean, like, if you're not stabilizing yeah. the putter, you, sometimes you're, you're, you know, with the other hand, some, you know, can slip out or the angle isn't, you know, held from this way mm-hmm. to, to the basket all together in one motion. But anyways, yeah, yeah you know, I want to stabilize the putter with the other hand. That's something that I'm still going to try to incorporate down the road. Okay. I, and I'm not saying that is then related. I'm just saying. There we go. Uh, 
you know, you and I have swapped a few putters back and forth and, and, uh, you know, I I've seen you make various styles, whether it's a spin putt, uh, whether it's your pitch putt, all of the above. And these are some of the things, I mean, the very first putt I saw you take this year in person, I noticed that your, your left hand wasn't there. And I was like, this, this is different. This is not what he's normally done. And I've seen, it's been very consistent, uh, since, and I've also, and I'm not saying it's related to your other not makes, but um, it's just these are a couple of things I've noticed. So that's all. Yeah, I'm not telling. I, you do you, bro. I can soak in the salt and make and make improvements based on it. So thanks for thanks for throwing the salt at me. See? Salt, <laughs> salt life, bro. Salt life. You okay, and your yeah. I, Mexico. I, I, Listen, I, and, and Mexico. Off on you. And, and we, we won't keep you too much longer. I promise. <laughs> salt in the, in the air <laughs> oh geez but we we have to ask about the outfit it's the talk of the internet it's the talk of a lot of what of twitter of social media facebook everywhere i go you know like i said we in the our graphics guy nick internally we the entire round we referred to you as drippy Waisaki. Because because you had you you had the drip you were going I mean that's the way it was working we like to try to come up with the nicknames to a lot of players that even if they already have them in the in the uh, control room what's going on with the with the uh, uh, the hat and the matching shirt give us a little bit of insight behind the outfit yeah so um, so yeah the, my sponsor Circle One sent me a hat and. And then Ari, my tour manager, got the hat and, and, and everything. And she's like, this thing's you're not wearing this. This is an awful look. <laughs> and then, of course, that makes me want to wear it even more. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely wearing this now. I'm like, <laughs> if you wouldn't have said anything, I would have been probably not worn it. But, like, since you hate it, I'm definitely going gonna, gonna to do the opposite <laughs> just for fun. Um, so I wore it, like, day two. I was like, oh, yeah, this is funny. I'm walking around the Airbnb like, oh, yeah, I'm going to wear this today. Like, seriously. And she's like, hey, you're funny. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to wear it. And then I put it on again the next day. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to wear it today. And then, and then eventually I, was, I got the courage to actually like walk out of the house with it. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Like, like screw it. I'm just going to wear this thing and see what happens. And I was expecting people to like roast me and think like look out like, like make fun of me. But most people didn't say anything. And they were like, I'm like, dang, maybe I made a good choice. People actually like this thing. Like, that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just got like rafters on it and, and all kinds of different dinosaurs. And I have a matching shirt. I actually have a matching towel too. So mm. my sponsor Circle One has been making them, and we got different colors. So there's, I think there's white, there's a pink one. There's all kinds of cool colors coming out. So, so yeah, they're 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 making them, and I just want to mix it up, have some fun. You know, I, I it, plus it blocks the sun. It's yeah. part of my brand. I'm I'm a raptor legs. It's got dinosaurs on it. It blocks the sun. It looks. It's different. It's mixing up my style. I mean, it looks a lot, those different. Into it. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. feel like you're. I feel like you're jacking my style because, as Terry knows, I've been wearing a bucket hat for, for since like the late '90s. Because I like, as many can tell, I'm I'm pasty like a ghost. So for me, it's more of a sun prevention issue and not so much of a style issue. But I see with the tight right. cut on the side, you got to keep that protected from the sun. You don't want a sunburn oh, yeah. up there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, I, I'll, I'll follow that up. I think I saw a post from Circle One earlier saying that they love that everybody's been seeing it, the memes, everything else, communications, pictures. It's been crazy. Uh, and then they went ahead and said that the uh, boonie hats 
our plan for the summer of 2022 collection. So everyone's got to sit tight and just wait for those all to show up, but you can pre-order them. And uh, there's, there's a free plug for you circle. I know you guys are are great guys over there. So, but yeah, I mean you, what you did though, is you preemptively created a little too much demand that people might get impatient. You had to wait. So it sounds like circle one is hustling as hard as they can to get those, those out for you. Circle one should definitely be opening up their uh, pre-order Yes, list yes, right that's now. Exactly yet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. So it was just something new and fun. I wanted to, I wanted to just mix it up, spice it up. And are and, we going to yeah, keep I, seeing I, it though? That's the question. I, I think so. I mean, it was the only weird part is like when I was putting, it kind of could like see the yeah. like the top happy part of the hat. And um, yeah, I was. I mean, if I can use one excuse, I guess I say that's maybe why I missed a putt. <laughs> yeah, <sharing>. and, uh, <laughs> that, that's the hard part with those is that it, when you putt. Yeah, yeah. That's why I missed the putt, Terry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when you putt, you have to flip them up, but then they look really dumb. Let me tell you, you look, look you look really goofy then. And and I'm not afraid to look stupid. Trust me. No, you and do that well. I do it very well. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, then you look really stupid. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm I know. <laughs> All right, Rick. Well, we go ahead. Johnny B, you you flipped up your hat and then still missed the putt, or what? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, I've missed a lot of putts in my day, Ricky. You know, so, sometimes sometimes they're like you, where I just don't think them through. Sometimes I sit and think about them Nico style, and I still miss them. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, Rick, uh, of course we've covered a lot of topics, but is there, we'll give you an open floor. Is there anything, uh, anything else going on that we, we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up or, uh, uh, any, anything else for this year that's, that's in the works or anything of that nature? Any, any open floor is what I'm trying to say to you. Yeah. Well, a couple things I guess I'll talk about is the, the slammer. I mean, that, that a lot of people have been asking me like what I was throwing last week and stuff. The slammer was a great disc and I went into upshots. And I think that's a big reason why my upshot game was, was great is because I was throwing the, the new disc dynamic disc came out with is a slammer and goes back to, goes back to dynamic really and, and how supportive they are for, of me and, and the players really in general. I think me just being a part of the, part of the team, my new contract, I think that's really sparked a lot of players uh, on the team to to start getting you know getting getting you know what they deserve and I think that dynamics really supportive of the players and uh, that's just the number one thing that you know when you support the players they give back to the company and that's something that also is is super important and um, this the sock this the first putt initiative for my my Saki bomb foundation also that's another thing that we're working on is uh, donating fifty discs and uh and a basket to to different schools a hundred different schools the first year. And that's the first initiative. Then we're going to work our way into more initiatives after that. Um, but yeah, you can go to SakiBombFoundation.org to either you can donate or you can also just volunteer or pick a school. So it's not just donation. Obviously, we're, it'd be great to, to get a lot of donations. That way we can give back and uh, use my platform to give back to the schools, um, give baskets, uh, give dist, and get just kids playing. And so that's uh, so you can, you can volunteer, you can donate, and you can also um, – nominate a school if you have a kid or if you have some a school that you feel is deserving you can nominate that school and we can then go through and, and pick the schools that we that we feel is most deserving of everything we obviously have a lot more submissions uh and that, that we then we can really go through all at once but we're we're working on that and um but yeah that's something that's kind of new for me that i'm that i'm working on that i'm you know thankful that i can use my platform to to you know grow disc golf and we did we did the first one in vegas we went to school kind of like a 
um, a lower income area and we went to the school and just kind of set up some baskets. I was the, I went to the assembly and I was the assembly guy for the day and every, all the kids got together and they're like, Oh, who's coming to speak. And then they showed some of my highlights. I went in there and just kind of talked about my career and, and, uh, just shared some time with the kids and they had a blast. And then we did like a ring of fire and I was like putting from 30 feet and they're like trying to make 10 out of 10. And I was like, I would like make one putt and the kids were like, all right, one, two. And then every time I made a putt, they would like count, count the putt. All right, four, five out of 10. And then, and then, so that was just, it was just super cool to get an engagement with the kids and then we let them putt and just, uh, yeah, just, you know, just to see them enjoy the game. And, uh, just brings me back to when I was in high school or when I was in elementary school and, you know, get to see the assembly, you know, get all excited for the assembly and, and, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's just, it's just cool that, that I can use my platform and I'm, I'm thankful that I can use my platform to, to, um, grow the sport in, in that yeah. way. No, it, it's incredible. Uh, good to hear that you've probably got plenty of submissions coming in. And, and I, I posted a link for it here in the page. And anyone that wants to reach out, make sure you go out there, find that, and uh, follow uh, follow the links along so that you can support Ricky and everything going on with the initiative. Awesome to see. And I'm sure that's just going to continue to grow. And, and we're seeing a number of our players uh, do all the various ways that they are. And I know you talked to us at great length uh, last time you were with us about how you are, how you've arranged this initial initiative with one basket and all the putters and, and all the discs. I think it's awesome. You know, and I think of what Yuli's doing as a, which is very different from what, you know, Macbeth is doing, which is, you know, very different uh-huh. from what Paige Pierce is doing. Like you guys are all doing it in your own unique ways and perspectives. And I, there, you know, nothing but admiration for that. That's awesome to see. Yeah, I think it, I think it's great that, that we're doing that, and I think that's that's another sign of the growth of the sport that we, you know, we're able to to obviously make a living and, and and build our brand, but we're also able to to then use that brand to to grow the sport. I'm I'm, I'm I think it's awesome that we have not, that many pros out there doing that, and I think we'll see more and more doing it in the future. It's just going to help everybody, um, you know, be, you know, create a lifelong hobby for 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 kids, and it's and it's just awesome to see that. You know, obviously, we all have the disc golf community shares the passion of disc golf, and I think that for me, it was like another thing was like you hear a lot of older generation of disc golfers like, "Oh, I wish I would have found disc golf when I was younger," and so you just always hear that, and so now it's like, all right, now I, I don't have to hear that; I can just automatically spread the spread the word right off the bat, without you know, and then these kids can just be thankful when they get older, like, "Hey, I'm so glad I found disc golf when I was eight or ten years old or whatever," you know. Yeah, it, it it's perfect. It's a, a great initiative. And again, everybody should go out and find ways to support. I think I was doing some kind of work that got me distracted and didn't get my order in for slammers for the uh, for these early run slammers. Uh, d- do I just call up? Is there a Ricky Wysocki Smashbox <laughs> code red, that I need to call phone? into? Yeah, that I need to call into DD with so that I can get my hands <laughs> as a as an authorized dealer here. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell him Rick sent me. And uh, there's a Ricky uh, special, right? Can you make care. that? No, just send me a message. We'll get you one. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I'm, I need a hundred to sell, but yeah. <laughs> oh well, then I can't. It's a little different. It's a little different. <laughs> then you need to call Ari. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ari. We need to talk. I was gonna 
have one for my collection and give it to you, but now you just kind of. Really <laughs> I mean, I do want one to own it. You know, I've got a lot of incredible discs that you know, of course, get filed away in terms of like a historical purpose. And then, yes, to fulfill all of the demand, I I need to get my hands on some as well as a dealer and uh, offer them up to people. So, all right. Oh, Ari's got me. I like Ari it. says she's got us. So yeah. When's the last Love time you it. played, Terry? Oh my gosh. Uh I <laughs> I don't know if it fully counts, but a, uh, but right at Jonesboro, we got done uh, broadcasting oh. Jonesboro and I went out behind Bevel with Nate and Val. They installed two baskets and they have a putting course which uh, for some reason they said you're not allowed to do it. But anyway, there's a putting course right behind Bevel. Uh, Val and her mom and a couple others set up uh, 18 different putting spots to the two baskets. I'm not saying I beat Nate and Val, but I might have. And so that wasn't even really a full course um, in terms of throwing shots. It was just putting. So that would be the last time I actually. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I played a round of golf. I, I haven't. Get, I haven't I played one. That. I haven't played one this year. I played back in like October or November, and I haven't that, touched one yet this year. I mean, is that weird, Terry? That you don't like. Is that weird to you that you don't play or no? It's not as weird as it used to be. I knew. Yeah. I knew six or eight years ago when I gave up finally the Wednesday night league I used to run. I was like, I kept yeah. holding on to running that because I thought, well, okay, this forces me to play one round of golf a week. And then as soon as I quit running that, I almost entirely quit playing. And I tell everybody, I could play these courses. I should have brought some discs to Emporia and played a flex start. I've got just as many hours in the day as you do. I just, I simply don't prioritize it. And I want to change that. I want to get out and actually play a little bit more. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go out and uh, play with you. And then you'll, I was going to say, you can only throw certain shots, but that's not going to help me. No, there's, there's no shots you can limit him to. Unless I make him shoot throw throw grenades. You can only throw grenades. And then maybe, maybe you keep up. Maybe. (laughs) Grenades hurt my thumb. Like when you throw it like upside down like that, they they rip it up. Yeah. Yeah. How does Kevin not, Kevin or Eagle. He he like, he doesn't like, like most people like put their thumbs kind of in like this to throw it. But I think some of them. It's hard for me to show. Like, we'll we'll actually like okay. push their thumb like this so it doesn't rip your thumb out. Because you're right. Oh, when okay. I throw a grenade, I have it in like this, and it just tears at some point, yeah, like yeah. this. But some yeah. I've seen some people put their thumb in like this to get more power, and it doesn't tear it up as much. So, oh, okay. I don't know. I've, clearly, well, they're be- they're better than us. So, will well, you answer th- my question? When the played was Terry? Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you played two. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time you played a round of 18 holes? Uh, sometime in the winter-ish at a winter course here in Milwaukee. So That's cr- so at least six months or something? Uh, pro- probably three or four months-ish ago. December, January, That's I probably correct. finally went out. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> good deal. I'm just, I'm just curious. No, it's a fair we're, question. I we're, mean, sp- we're supposed to get 80 degrees here next week. Yeah, it's, it's been miserable wow. in Wisconsin for like, I mean, and the Midwest yeah. in general has been nothing but wind and rain, and you'll get the occasional. It's like cool. It's going to hit 65 degrees, but it's going to rain all day, and it's just miserable. But now I think we're yeah. finally getting past the 
the the crappy springtime we're gonna get into some decent spring where some of us will actually get to get out and play so i'm, I'm excited i did uh, this doesn't quite count and i am gonna go play more but i did confirm today that i'm on monday gonna go look at a a really nice piece of property to to possibly design another course on oh, great uh, in here well, in wisconsin yeah. so that that's not quite the same i realize but if that provides you know rounds to thousands of others you know that that might have yeah, a payoff there where is that? Is that like northern Wisconsin or something? Uh, no, so- southeastern Wisconsin actually um, oh, cool. is where I'll be heading. Cool. So, and I'm going to run a B tier in two weeks because I'm not going to be in OTB. So uh, registration open tonight. So I need a plug from you if you could just say, "Hey everyone, sign up for the Skyline <laughs> Classic." <laughs> I'll be there even if you won't. <laughs> like it'd be great. Just say you'll try to be there. I mean, <laughs> I'll try to be there, guys. Hopefully, I can be on your card if I end up playing. But <laughs> is it like what's that? Is that the isn't Skyline like a chili place in Ohio? It is, and uh, I briefly had a run as a. Um, I, I created the Skyline as a name br- Skyline Disc Golf as an apparel name brand, and that was probably ten years ago now. And then I ran an amateur series under it, and just something a little bit unique and different. And that's when I created the Skyline Classic, and I continue to run the event even though I'm not really doing anything with that branding. Um, so yeah, but it's also a chili chain in like ohio that's yeah, terrible yeah. i've tried it it's terrible yeah it really is it really is horrible <laughs> people in ohio love it but it's absolutely it's like a bunch of slop it's terrible <laughs> yeah not not good at all so yeah I'll, I'll keep myself plenty busy but here's what i'm gonna do rick i'm gonna play around a golf and i'm gonna report back to you and i'm gonna say that's gonna happen in under a week's time so i'm gonna go play some golf yeah. probably more than you for once right in the next week I actually will. I'm not going to play that much. I'm t- taking some time off. So you're going to play more than me, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> do it. Now, will you throw yeah. a Frisbee? Will you do any putting? Like, w- will you do any of that in the next few days or no? Well, there's a course like like 10 to 15 minutes away. So I think there's like a nine-hole course. So I might go over there, run over there and just throw around for fun. Um, so, yeah, I might just that – might, that, might, that might happen. I'm not sure yet. I brought a stack of a couple, like five or ten discs that I can – if I, and if I wanted to go to a soccer field or something locally and just throw around, I might do that. But um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how I feel. See how the see how sunburn I get. <laughs> I mean, I I genuinely understand like time off and not touching a disc, but for you, it just feels like that would be tough for you to do. Be like, hey, seven straight days, I'm not throwing a disc. Like I. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see you doing that. I can't see you going seven or ten straight days without throwing a disc. It is very, it is really weird. So I don't, I'll probably go like two or three days and be like, all right, got to touch a disc. Can't stop. Can't, can't, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> you know, like that's probably what's going to happen, but okay. I'm going to try. <laughs> all right, Rick, uh, we're going to let you go. We want you to continue to enjoy your time there. Uh, thank you to Lily and, and Ari for yes. letting you, uh, you know, for sharing you with us here. We, I know your our time. Smashbox fans Love having you. You're always welcome to come, whether you win or not. You're always welcome to come on, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, glad I can join you. And uh, better shoot a good round, Terry. All right, I'll report back. <laughs> do it, do it, Miller. I'm gonna wrap your leg all over. See you, buddy. <laughs> all right. Good night, Ricky. <laughs> all right, Ricky Wysocki. Drippy Wysocki. Yeah, sorry, Drippy. That's what we're gonna go with. 
Trippy Wysocki. So good to have him, as always. If he would just loosen up a little. You know, that guy, <laughs> we say it almost after every, every interview, just the progress and media savvy he has attained over the last five to six years is phenomenal. And yeah. I, I'm, 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 it's awesome to see that he is much more comfortable in his own skin and doing this type of interview with us is great. Yeah, we appreciate it. And that hat, we appreciate that too. We'll go. I ahead. appreciate the hat. I, in fact, right behind this curtain is my, uh, it, it's not a bucket hat, which was what a lot of people were calling it. Yeah. A boonie it's is a boonie what I hat, yeah. which is similar to what I have. It, it's, it's more of, I mean, granted I had the bucket hat back in the nineties. There's a few pictures. Terry has, has shared on my birthday of me in like a this blue bucket hat that I had like a fisherman's kind of cap, but this is a boonie with a bigger brim it's behind the curtain there it's in my little disc golf area where you know if i want to go golfing and it's sunny i grab that and throw it on my head um they don't call you drippy though they do not absolutely not i don't have because i don't have the matching shirt (laughs) oh that's the reason if i had the matching shirt to go with it (laughs) okay that's different unlike terry Mm -hmm. who back in the day had a matching shirt and shorts that he stitched his PDGA number in. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Absolutely. Not going to lie. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the other people at the DDO, um, the Dynamic Discs Open. Shout out for Dynamic Discs. Uh, second place, Simon Lazat showing up and playing uh, great golf. His walk-up song was Daddy, mm-hmm. which I got a kick out of. Um, third, Like I said, tied for third place. Uh, we saw it was uh, Vino, Aaron Gossage, Logan Harpool, and Jake Hebenheimer, and Brody Smith. And then you drop down to eighth place, which is Chris Dickerson and GT Hancock. And tied for 10th was Calvin Heimberg, James Conrad, and Gannon Burr. So there's your top 10 in MPO. And uh, I, I know we've talked about this event quite a bit with the wind and the weather. And the course, by the way, which I love hole one. The only change I would think about making maybe is on that back row of bricks. Maybe put two or three more bricks up. Make the oh, create a backstop. Create a for slight them. backstop that lets them at least not a huge one, not as big as the island. Yeah, you know, at uh, uh, at the country club, mm-hmm. but kind of a bigger one. So at least if you would, you want to run at it and you want to try to get nice and accurate, keep it low. Cause we did see a few that did skip off and over that. I'd like to see that kind of eliminated, but not so much where you can just, you know, it's, it's a wall. I'd like to see a short, a, kind of a short mini wall, like a Terry wall. <laughs> I mean, there is a short mini wall there. There's like one you're, brick. It's like saying, one brick. I would like to see it like, like three, it, like maybe three like bricks thicker. Like I'd like it thicker, like Terry. A little, a little bit thicker. Okay. <laughs> so have Terry lay down and put bricks up so you can't see him, and then we're good. That, hopefully that flattened me out a little. Oh, bricks on top if the bricks are on top of you. Um, anyway, I, the players that we saw at the top, as I talk, as we talked to Ricky about, unique. Other than Simon, and then we see Chris Dickerson in eighth, but we haven't seen Vino up there. Aaron Gossage, big thrower. Logan Harpool, a DD sponsored player, but you know, like a 10 10 or something rated player. Um, Jake Hebenheimer with the dad putt mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Brody Smith. And I think some of this is related to 
obviously the wind that we took out the first three rounds, the strengths of a lot of our players, which is putting a lot of these guys that normally finish in the top five or 10 are phenomenal putters. The wind absolutely compressed that. Yeah. And it made it a different style of golf. And I'm, I'm here to say I liked it. I wouldn't want to see it all the time. I don't want to. I know a lot of people complain that they, they don't like watching players lay up from 25 feet. And I get that. I wouldn't want to watch that throughout the year either. But I've gone on record saying in the past that I love that our, 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 our sport has so many different styles of play. You start out on the West Coast with your big bomber hyzer courses. You move to the Midwest where now you're dealing with the elements and it's a little bit more park style golf. And it's 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 less about the big bomber drives. You got a little bit more of B. And then you move to the East Coast at the end of the year where you've got these nice wooded courses. And I love me a wooded course where you need to hit these pure lines. But I don't understand. And I guess I do understand, but I don't agree with the people online that are screaming about how they hate this. They hate this. They hate these courses. They hate the style They're, They don't like to watch this boring golf where players have to lay up and they can't just throw it as far as they want and, and, and end up in bounds. It's to me personally, and I know this is my own opinion, but that's why I have a podcast and a lot of people don't. Um, is that I like the variety. I liked watching this. I liked watching these players. Not that they, I didn't like watching them struggle. I liked watching them really have to think about every shot. Really think about how far do you want to throw? Do you where you would normally try to throw a big flex shot? Maybe you can't. Maybe you just have to throw a forehand shot, and 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 then realize that you're not going to make the green. That you have to throw another shot to get to the green. And I think you know, looking at Brody, I think that specifically what helped him excel was that he played smart golf. He didn't go for a lot of stuff, and. He said it himself, I think, in our in our interview that his weakness is his putting, his spin putt. He doesn't have it, so he can't putt in the wind. Whereas you get some players that will be able to make some of these putts in the wind, and not a lot of them, but a few of them. He couldn't hardly do much of that, and so he lost strokes because of that. But he gained them in his accuracy with his forehand and his overstable discs. I think we saw a lot of really overstable power players able to shoot a little bit better here. And if it, I'll tell you what, if we had this event every year, just like this, I'm here for it every single year. I don't mind that we have to play in 20 or 30 mile an hour wins as long as it's not very often. (laughs) Again, I wouldn't want to see it all the time, but seeing it once in a while, man, it has nothing to do with humanizing the players. I just think it's a different skill set that you really have to look at. And yes, it does add some. Uh, if you're online, RNG, which is you know random number generator, some randomness into the throws. But I feel like the players know that going in. The players have a their thumb on the scale because I'll tell you what was it hole two or three where we saw Bro on the final round where we saw Brody. Yeah, it was hole two where Brody went for a really big drive off the tee ended up throwing it and going OB when I, he could have thrown a, a forehand and minimized that variable. And 
granted, you're probably not going to get a three on it if you do that. You're, you're definitely not going to get a two. You're probably guaranteeing yourself a four. But it, but that would have been two strokes better than the six he took. And that was one of the holes where he decided to get aggressive and it, and it bit him. There were other holes where he really scaled back. And I'm, I'm, I was very impressed with a lot of the guys on the top. Brody, Jake, Logan. In the control room, we were all rooting for Logan. We were we were literally chanting his name at one point for a few reasons. One, dude played fast. And as a control room, we'd love a fast player. Second of all, he was a re- he seemed like a really good guy. He's a part-time golfer. He's not even a full-time pro tour golfer. So that right away gives him a leg up for a lot of us. Just it's that underdog story. And, and second of all, he just he had the crowd behind him, which el- which absolutely helped um stoke that excitement for a player. So we were in the control room. We were all rooting for Logan Harpool over everybody else. Even we knew Ricky had it, but we don't root very often in the control room. We're trying to be a little, a little, uh, <laughs> impartial, impartial. Wow. But yeah, but we were rooting don't get for, on a mic, but we were rooting for Logan. Uh, it, yeah, certainly some incredible stories throughout the weekend. You know, I know we saw in a little bit of Jake, specifically back in Waco and and there were some conversations about his putt there you know and and let let's also throw it out there uh, we get that Jake didn't invent he did not invent that putt okay, we saw that I, I'm certainly not trying to I've never tried to uh push that narrative I think any way a frisbee or a disc is thrown today has certainly been done before it's just a matter of if it was effective and or popular in the past. So I get it. I know there's some really, really worked up people that are on the internet that are generally now older that feel wildly offended that we're calling this new or unique or whatever. It It is definitely different and it is not normal that I'm not claiming Jake's got a patent on it. So simmer down. We hear you. Yes, I understand. It's it's, it's been different around. from what we've seen on the tour. I personally, I think, first saw it back in the late '90s with Climo, uh, or maybe it was early 2000s. When was the Augusta Worlds? 2006. And he Climo won that one. He did that. So that so it was probably. I remember seeing it in person there from Climo, but I'd seen it one or two other times. Uh, before that from other people just messing around but that was the first time i saw it used in a tournament and he had, he had tossed that up and he i think he had it wrapped up at the point at that point in the finals as we were watching the final nine at worlds but yeah the the the, the glenn ho- whitlock and others yeah the horseshoe putt the dad putt whatever you want to call it it's been around for a long time but but jake is uh jake's gonna put his own stamp on it uh, he, and I, and he is because he is the current you know just like kevin jones nor eagle created the grenade that was a shot Johnny and I saw oh, and or executed before maybe even Eagle was born. So uh, probably we get it. We're old. Um, but when they bring it to the forefront, that's clearly when it then gets discussed. And keeping in mind, so many of our viewers and or the players these days weren't around back in the day when those may have been performed by people that you may not have even, you know, names you may not even recognize. So I get it. I just uh, I- inevitably there's, you know, there's the. You know, shaking of the old man fist when when somebody, you know, states that something like that is unique or is, you know, uh, is coming onto the scene is and, and is in the spotlight. 
I, we understand. I, I at least understand. Anyway, um, yeah, it was it was pretty incredible performance by a lot of those gentlemen. Clearly, you know, I think we've we've now said it a number of times. The the wind and what it did to the putting and or just the overall the courses mentality in how to approach the courses. Yes, yeah, certainly uh, made things uh, much more unique for the weekend than what you would predict. I mean, and and I would have even asked him of it, and I and I don't even need to. Ricky Wysocki would never guess in a normal event in normal conditions or even remotely normal conditions that someone like Paul McBeth is missing the cup, just as Paul would never expect Ricky to miss the cut. Was that a hundred percent wind aided? Uh, I mean, clearly he, he, I'll say, I think he even sent me a message at one point saying I had a game plan. I was too stubborn to change it. And it was kind of an all or nothing approach. And when it was all said and done, sure. that wasn't the right game plan. That's something I need to, you know, Makes take sense. into consideration. So, it, well, and then it he, was and, it was very interesting. And though. then you're there on Sunday throwing shade at Paul McBeth for being in the crowd. <laughs> oh, he was wearing shades. I think. Oh, he, he was. was no. he, he was wearing shades. No, no I, I, I'm just kidding. You, you, I, made, no. you made a friendly I mean, little joke I can't, about being a You can't say it enough. I mean, whether I'm friends with with him and Ricky, of which I I am friends, commentator, analyst, any or all of those things, mm-hmm. podcaster. At the end of the day, it is a story yes. that Paul Mc, I mean that Paul Macbeth yeah, missed a he cut. Missed, he missed of course it's not one that he loves to see written or told, but it still was a story. And I think I saw in Dixon's group someone said is is blank or Paul missing the cut a bigger story. And it's like no, there there is no bigger story. Uh Ricky wins, Kristen Tatar wins, and then Paul missing the cut. Those like uh, arg- arguably Paul mixing, mixing the cut might be even a bigger well, story. It's than way Paul more does. of a surprise than Ricky be, winning or Tatar winning. Yeah, That's because true. those those two win regularly. Ex- that, exactly. So uh, the other story that we'll just quickly dance uh, around. I think we're going to have one disc, one tip tonight, John. We, we yes, do have one disc, one tip. Uh, one other quick story that we'll dance around is... Uh, there was a, a I, don't, I hate to use the word outbreak. There there were some cases of COVID that became uh, part of the conversation this weekend. Uh, if you want to read the, all the official legalese and the way it was described and broken down, it's all on DGPT.com. It's out there. Um, I think it's also very public as to you know who the players were that were involved or not uh, from that perspective. I don't. I don't think there. You know, I'll say there's no HIPAA considerations no, on my behalf. No, but no. I think it was it, it. The story kind of started, quote unquote, with Tristan Tanner. Yeah, he had, uh, he withdrew because he had these what he called body aches. Went to the ER because he wasn't sure. Was diagnosed with COVID, which is a very common uh, side effect of COVID, which is the 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 body, the joints, the aching, the exhaust. You know, being fully exhausted. Um, at this point, it feels like everybody's had it at some point almost. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how, how severe you get it. And it uh, it affected him and his play. And from there, the DGBT did their contact tracing as by their protocol and performed over 50 tests, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there were a few players that turned up positive. And I'm not going to lie. I think any given week, you test the whole field you might find one or two positives that you just don't realize from people who are asymptomatic. But this particular weekend, we had people who were not asymptomatic. They were symptomatic and it showed. And so we had to go through with the protocol and you know, this isn't a, 
a platform uh, about whether or not how you feel about COVID. These are just the rules. Yeah. These are what we do to make sure that the players feel and are safe. So it started with there, Maddie O. I think we saw Kona and Colton. Colton. And I, I, I'm, I think there maybe was one more and I forget offhand, but ultimately the DGBT did exactly what they should based on their own protocol. And we, we saw some players that had to withdraw. Yeah, it was, uh, of course it's unfortunate for everyone. And, and naturally even I, myself who was feeling very allergy like and allergy reacting and, and traveling and everything else I had been doing. Uh, I, I was a little horse in the booth and you and, and Doss both Doss at the, that final day, man, he, it sounded like he, he, and we, that's a lot of talking you guys. Do, exactly. We did three consecutive days of coverage at Jonesboro where I'm up at a early time that I'm not normally up at talking disc golf at 6 a.m. for roughly a, you know, an eight to 10 hour day mm-hmm. doing three days of that at Jonesboro, two or three days later being at DDO. And then the interactions at DDO plus four straight days for me going uh, men and women. And it had all essentially caught up with me and I had to ride the damn bull happy. No, I, <laughs> so uh, it was all of those things late nights, early mornings, and um, you know, I didn't. Owe that, I didn't owe it to anyone. But uh, w- when I got home, just as an extra precaution, I took a test myself, and uh, it was in fact negative. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, so we can knock kiss on later. wood. We can kiss later. No, nope, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been very blessed. I had a quick converse, uh, conversation with uh, even Katrina Allen because she had asked. She's like, All right, you know, you sound sick in the booth." And, um, you know, is there any way you have it? I said, no, somehow I might be one of the most traveled disc golfers since COVID um, in terms of going to all the events, car, planes, you name it. And then the extra events that aren't on the tour. I'm probably one of the single most traveled people. And I've just been incredibly fortunate that I have not ever had it tested for it, tested positive or had it. So I'm good luck to me yeah good luck to you exactly i'm i kind of feel like at this point you've probably had it and just don't know at some point came and went but obviously obviously without getting antibody tests and weird things like that i'm glad that you have not had any sort of symptoms it just feels like at this point if you've had any sort of interaction with a majority of people with as contagious as it has become that it's uh it's almost feels inevitable that people get it, but yeah, anyway, uh, but I'm glad Let's moving on. Uh, that was, you know, again, another part of the story. And as Ricky and many of us, excuse me, have alluded to world's expectations at the end of August would be that in the eighties or nineties, possibly triple digits, but generally eighties and nineties humidity, of course, will be a little bit higher and the winds to be much lower. So that's just, those are generic late August, early September, uh, you know, weather patterns there. When we were there in 2016, when Ricky had won along with Valerie Jenkins, it was a few weeks earlier in August and it was consistent, like 90, 95, mm-hmm. hundred. It was in that neighborhood with high humidities. I'm not going to lie. It was miserable for a, 
for an overweight fella like myself, not just not pleasant walking around out there. Do you there want me to go and in walk those around? temperatures? You can, sure. <laughs> you can do all the switching? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll, I'll uh, I, I don't care what we're seeing. Oh, we're going to sit on this <laughs> shop for a half hour. <laughs> you guys wanted to see the drone all day? You got it. <laughs> Till the battery dies. <laughs> hey, Terry, we have to take the drone down. Oh. All right. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me know how that goes. Uh, so, uh, so the, the, the temps and everything else will be, I, at one point I said, it may be literally twice as hot. It was 50 degrees. I'm like, it might be literally twice the temperature, uh, out here. So nonetheless, um, looking forward to it. And, and this will be the second latest that you and I have ever seen a world championships played short, short of uh green mountain i believe right yeah which was, which in, was only about a week later yeah, which is a week or two later back in 2018 this is the second latest you and i in the last 25 plus years have seen a world championships played this late in the season uh although the the temps may not you know lead you to think that so anyway it'll be interesting all right johnny i mean i think we covered uh you know and yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like we've covered pretty much everything. Shout out to all the top performers. You know, there, there's no doubt that, you know, one of the additional storylines and inevitably it always comes up no matter who it is. But, um, you know, some people thought that I wasn't uh, uh, somehow praising and giving enough accolades uh, when someone like Brody Smith was performing well on the final day. And I just or it really I, I guess the final day is when it was said. Check the tapes. I mean, I I make a joke here and there about damn near anyone uh, anytime during a broadcast or after the fact even. Um, But I Uh, I have no problem if anyone thinks like it's just it's just kind of that age old argument of, you know, you assume you like someone or you don't and their commentary shows it. I've talked with Nate Doss about this extensively, and I've said it's so funny, Nate, because some people will be just screaming about how you can't love on Paul Macbeth enough. And then literally the next day or a few hours later or the next tournament, people just think you hate his guts and you're just a jealous, you know, a whole teammate of his and that you can't ever give him his due props. I said, it's, it's funny to me. And then I think of it as, or, or option three is we're just calling it like we see it in the moment and toss all your favoritism aside. Uh, Is that possible? Anything's possible. I think people were frustrated, maybe upset that you called out Brody for being slow. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean, uh, he was an equal opportunity, man. That's, and that, up there. And, that, up there. and that's exactly those are the exact same people I said. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Terry calls it like you see it. We all said it. I <laughs> the 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 the, un, the the silly thing about you and I is I made the joke about 10 minutes before you did in the control room. I made the joke. I'm like, Jesus, Brody, are you doing a podcast with your with your caddy every hole? And then you made kind of a similar joke, oh, which is funny because I obviously didn't hear you say that. No, you didn't because no. you don't you don't, don't hear, hear me you in the anymore, booth. You, thank God. You, thank goodness. You hear Mo only. And then you had said the same thing. And I literally told Nick, I'm like, he stole my joke. That son of a. <laughs> um, but no, bro, Brody treated. And we saw this with Emily Beach as well treated their caddy like almost like a PGA person treats their caddy. They had discussions about lots of different shots and things. And I have no problem with that as long as you're staying within the 30 seconds. And let me, let me be straight about this. Brody wasn't the only one. There were times that I saw players run up the fairway 
over a blind shot when it was their turn. And that's all on your 30 seconds, like it or not. You have to do that. And so there were other players that went over. It's just that Brody kind of did it consistently. And, you know, we gave him a shout out. He played very well. But there are things that you have to, as a thing, you know, as everyone kind of says, your particular shtick when you're in the booth is um, still still Burr or still Brody or still Nico because they have taken longer than the allotted time. Brody was over some. He was close some. He was under some. But he was a particular player that was lagging at times. Yeah. And and, 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 yeah, and yeah. he's not the only one. And, and again, very windy conditions. I don't know if that mattered so much, but you still have to get your time in. So, eh. Again, and if people are offended at that, that you that you particularly are calling any particular player out for their time, whether it would have been Ricky or or Jake or Logan or Brody, it's just, you know, that's that's life. And I think people and I follow a lot of disc golf online. I was in the foundation chat afterwards and everybody was kind of like, yeah, I mean, Brody was slow. They they knew it and they're part of the community. So yeah, I, I, I don't mean, feel like it was anything, any surprise, particularly at any person. Yeah, the, so. the next event where somebody is habitually or regularly slow, I'll probably say something similar. More than likely. If, if it becomes glaringly obvious to me mm-hmm. and apparent, that's it. I, 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 I just, well, like I posted on, just like everybody. I posted on you're, his wall. I, th- I, it's very impressive, obviously, what he's come along and done in oh, the last yeah. couple Nobody of years. Can deny it. And, um, you know, so yeah, I just wanted to make that clear to everybody. It, it's, it's almost silly. I, I have to explain it, but I, I guess I choose to here. So yeah. anyway, do we want to watch, uh, the, yep, one disc, one tip before we go over to the after show, Terry? I think we do, folks, because right. our friends over at Ace Run Productions, uh, put this little segment together from time to time for us. And uh, we love the cross promotion. They're doing a great, uh, great work. Such great. Work. Uh, continuing to grow and expand and improve on all their post-production work that they're doing. And then they have this, uh, like I said, this amazing little segment that they always put together with various pros. And we are happy to put it out there. And then that is just a little tease to get you to go out and find more action from our friends over at Ace Run Production. So we appreciate them. So, yeah, I, I think we're ready to close things out. We'll do so by showing that. And then do you want to go right to... Uh, we'll go right to the after show. And from there, we'll come back and and we'll do some a Patreon giveaway. We'll talk all sorts of stuff. All right, folks. We can talk all about... <laughs> yeah, you guys are setting me up in there. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Again, uh, one disc, one tip. That's coming from Ace Run Productions. We got to thank Ricky Waisaki for joining us tonight. Uh, it was incredible. We appreciate him and the rest of his crew taking out the time to find us over here on Smashbox to share all the insights with you guys. Congratulations, of course, to Kristen Tatar, who I believe is in route or about to be in route back to Estonia, along with the dozen other Estonians that I <laughs> hung out with at the Bourbon Cowboy. Uh, we hope they all travel safely and uh, looking forward to seeing more of them in the future. So for Johnny V and myself, this has been Smashbox Podcast 401. 
We're going to close it out with one disc, one tip with Ace Run Productions. We'll see you in a few minutes in the after show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the channel. We are back with another one disc, one tip segment. Today, we've got Andrew Marwi joining us today. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this segment with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Enjoying your time out here at WR Jackson? For sure. I love this course. Awesome. So you've been at it for a while now, but how long have you actually been playing the sport of disc golf? Uh, I started in 2014, so that'd be eight years now. What kind of got you into the sport? Uh, it was mostly right after high school, just playing with some buddies for fun. Like, obviously, it wasn't any good, but uh, it was fun, and then stuck with it, and then uh, here I am. So, Thinking about the plastic that's in your bag, if you had one disc that you can pull from there that you think can help anybody's game, what disc would that be? Uh, well, for me, the game changer has been the uh, DGA Stone Steady BL. Uh, it's a very stiff plastic, uh, beadless putter. It has tons of glides, so it's a very neutral flying putter also a neutral putting putter. So for me, it's been uh, huge for my approach game, and especially my putting, as putting is one of the strongest suits in my game. So, We've seen you banging many big putts on coverage quite a bit, so Steady BL, check out the link below. We'll have a link where you can get your hands on that guy. Kind of going back to that experience, if you can share or shed light on one tip that you think can help anybody's game, what tip would that be? Uh, well, going back to the, st uh, the Steady BL, I think my biggest tip is confidence. Uh, confidence is key, especially for putting. If you know you're going to miss, you will miss. So my biggest tip is going up to your putt. You want to, you know, tell yourself, I'm going to make this putt because you will. And then uh, going hand in hand with that is uh, how to make their putt and how to be confident is all about f follow through. Um, I'm a big basketball guy myself. So just like shooting a free throw, you want to hold your hand and follow through. Hmm. Same with putting. So if you're a spin putter, if you're a push putter, you just want to extend your arm and hold it until it goes in the basket. And that ensures, you know, you have that clean release and you're following through and not, you know, letting yourself um, fall out early. So That's one thing we've heard a lot from Johnny McRae, and you're the second pro to kind of talk about that follow through being so important. So, For sure. You want to make sure your hand like is in, in line with the basket and you're holding it there to ensure that your release and putt is smooth to the basket. There you go, guys. Practice, 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 and practice that follow through. A big thank you to Andrew Marweed. Andrew, if these guys want to follow along with you on your social media, where can they do that? Um, Facebook, obviously, is a big one. Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, got all of them. So uh, give me a follow. I appreciate all love and support. Sweet. Well, there you go. Thank you so much to Andrew Marweed again for taking the time out to do this segment. Thank you, as always, Smashbox, for airing these segments. And from us at Ace from Productions, let's run it. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.